Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Stardom Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. Welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Gooding. I am joined by Mr. Christmas himself, Matt Turner. And ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas. I hope your time was wonderful. You were able to chill. You were able to spend it with your loved ones. And most importantly, you enjoyed some kick-ass wrestling. Matt Turner, I saw pictures of your Christmas. I heard tales of your Christmas, but how was it? Rob Gordon, my my Christmas was fantastic as always. I'm just a very lucky and blessed person to just be surrounded by so many great people and friends and family, yourself and obviously the friends and family of the Stardom cast included. Yeah, my Christmas was great. Um, I enjoy It's literally my favorite day of the year. It's my favorite time of the year. I get into the whole big tradition of the eggnog and Charlie Brown Christmas and Christmas morning, I wake up and on either TBS or TNT, one of those uh, stations that they do a 24-hour marathon of a Christmas story. And I it's literally running in my house on loop the whole entire time as we open up presents and, and whatnot. But now my Christmas was great. Christmas break started for me on um, the 22nd. Uh, that Friday, I think I think me and you almost have the same Christmas break. I think yours was Friday, then going up until Wrestle Kingdom date. Am I correct? My, uh, I am extremely lucky this year. My current job actually gave me two weeks off, which doesn't come out of my uh, my time off allowance. So I'm actually all good. Um, I'm off till uh, till the eighth of January. I go back, which, and I was saying this to Kirsty, uh, even though she really does not care, bless her. Um, <laughs> I was saying that this is the first time I've actually been off for Wrestle Kingdom in, I think, oh, I think this might be four years. Um, I think the last time I was able to watch Wrestle Kingdom live was, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom 14, 14 night one was uh, the last time I was able to watch Wrestle Kingdom live. So the fact that I have got that in in the diary um and bless her she has bought me a projector for christmas um, wow so i can watch it um in the garden room um because she's the best and she also <laughs> she also bought me she also went on our merch site and bought me a stardom cast t-shirt so uh number one fan is uh is old kirsty but yes it's uh i'm off till the eighth is the short answer to the question that you asked well, that's good, brother, because I go back the 5th, which is Friday, and then uh, then I get the weekend off, so then I'm back on the 8th, so that's good. So other than the projection screen, my friend, what what all crazy, fantastic gifts did you get? So obviously, like I've already said, I am, uh, I am officially a Stardom cast guy now, um, which <laughs> I'll be wearing on our live Spoilers. stream, which, Spoilers. <laughs> which we'll be talking about very shortly. 
Uh, I've had a whole host of books, pop vinyls, clothes, um, just generally been extremely lucky in uh, in what I've got. Um, but what about yourself? I know that obviously Lily has been incredibly busy with the stuff you've got. Yeah, she made me uh, a drawing of, in my opinion, I think you'll agree with me as well, the greatest Wonder of Stardom championship match of all time. It's basically Rossi Ogawa. And I, get, I finally have a Rossi Ogawa Lily picture, so I'm excited to get that signed hopefully sometime <laughs> soon. So it's the, it's the, and I put it all over my social medias, and if somebody wants to see it, I'll gladly post it again. So it's Rossi holding the Wonder of Stardom championship um, as uh, Sai Kamatani and Hazuki are announced. Obviously, that match took place at the finals of the Triangle Derby. And she also told me she is currently working on and didn't get a chance to finish it yet. In my opinion, what is the greatest world of stardom championship match with uh, Mayu, Rossi Ogawa holding the red belt and uh, Io Shirai. She said that was a work in progress, but she just she was just bogged down with work stuff and then other Christmas stuff and whatnot that she didn't get a chance to finish it. So I said, you know, absolutely no problem. You know, you cannot put a price on artwork, you know, especially my daughter's artwork is very, it's second to none. So, uh, yeah, so I had that one, the one with the Hazuki, Rossi and... Um, uh, Saya Kamatani, and then hopefully sometime, well, whenever she gets to it, that I'll have the one with Io Mayu and one Rossi Ogawa. So I got that. And then Amber went kind of all Japan King's Road on me. She got me a whole bunch of like uh, Masawa and Tawe, Kawada and Kobashi stuff, like shirts and then certain things that'll be going into the new podcast room. And she got me a whole bunch of shelves and different things that's going to be uh, in the new podcast room. And she was very frank with me when she told me like, look, I'm going to build this. I'm going to put this up. Give me six or seven items and put it in that podcast room, and I'll place it where I think it'll best see fit. Even though I'm going to be in the one, in that room doing all the podcasting, however, I do not have a decorative eye whatsoever, and she does. So I'm sure once I give her what I need to give her, it'll look great. Um, I got some uh, Funko Pop vinyls. I got like the Jack Kirby uh, style Thor. I have a whole bunch of the Chris Hemsworth uh, from the movie store. So I didn't have any of the comic ones. So that's nice. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Jack Kirby. I got the Chris Jericho list pop. So that was uh, that was pretty cool as well. And then just a whole bunch of uh, um, work stuff for, you know, some nice clothes, some some fancy stuff there. But uh, no, all in all, everything was uh, was really good. And it's not always about what you get, it's what you give. You know, I made sure that Amber and Lily um, got some really good stuff. And then my uh, my dad and uh, my best friend, they got tickets to go, go to WrestleMania. So they'll be sitting with us uh, during WrestleMania on Sunday. Uh, they're only going just the one night. So that's going to be an absolute fiasco uh, as well. So yeah, all in all fun stuff, but I do have to ask you, my friend, my, I know we texted a little bit about it the other day, but my Christmas vacation started Friday when I went to go see the iron claw movie. I was mm. wondering by chance, I was wondering by chance if you've had a chance to go see it yet. Again, not yet. Um, I'm going to start trying to work on Kirsty to come and watch it with me. Um, uh, like I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, I'm not confident that I'm going to be successful in getting her to watch it. But if I focus on topless Zac Efron, as opposed to the really sad, um, you know, wrestling-based storyline, I reckon... I'm in with a shout, but uh, we will wait and see. We'll wait and see. But I know that you went to see it and you were, I know you're a massive uh, historical wrestling mark, for lack of a better phrase, but I know that you were uh, you were extremely into this film. And I believe your exact phrasing was, it got me all Queen's Quest a wedder tie, <laughs> if you know what I mean, which I thought was a fantastic way of putting it. 
<laughs> yeah, it was excellent. It was it's five stars for me easily. Yeah, to kind of help you out, my friend. Also tell Kosi that not only is Zach Efron, you know, shirtless throughout a half point of the movie, a good majority of the movie, there's a lot of times where he like he gets up to go for a run because he's playing Kevin Von Eric. And he's in his underwear as well. So I don't know if that's going to help you out. So just, you know. I reckon it might. Honestly, all the ammunition you can possibly give me is only going to help. So yes, please. Now don't, don't, uh, obviously me and you are kind of one and the same. We've noticed since uh, we've been doing this podcast for two years together that our significant others are one and the same. So don't repeat this to her. So I was taking Amber out for not only, uh, it was dinner and a movie. As we're getting ready to leave, she's like, you know, the dinner part's going to be fine. I really don't want to see this movie. She's like, I've seen the dark side of the ring. I've seen the tale of the territories. I've seen all these documents that are out on the Von Eric. She's like, it's Christmas. I'm just not in the mood to see something that's going to have a sad ending. She's like, we'll eat. You can go to the movie. There's a whole bunch of shopping plazas by where the movie, the local movie theater is. I'll just do that. And then when the movie's over, I'll come and pick you up. I'm like, okay, fine. No problem. So don't tell her that. Don't tell her literally Amber last. <laughs> like, no, it's Christmas time. I don't need, I don't need to see this. But literally as soon as the movie was over, I text her and I said, all right, I'll be, you know, I said, the movie's over. I'm walking out. I'll be there in five minutes. She's like, no, I'm out in front waiting for you. As soon as I got in the car, I didn't even shut the door. And I said, you should have came inside. I said, you could have came inside because um, it does give a happy ending it really really does and there's two and i'm not going to spoil it i'm probably probably as soon as we get done recording this i'm going to put one of those youtube videos up on our uh, youtube channel i'll probably do about a three or three or four minute spoiler filled review of the movie because i do want to talk about it but there's two scenes at the very end that go back to back that had yes had me very queen's quest versus oedo tie what i mean by that is just very teary very very <laughs> uh very emotional it's just uh it really gives it a happy ending and if you have seen the dark side of the ring on world class championship wrestling and the von eric's it really does give it they do put a positive spin on the end where kevin is in hawaii with his wife and his kids and his grandkids and he's like i finally found peace like i finally found peace so all the tragedy that poor kevin von eric has i mean he's quoted several times by saying you know i used to have five brothers and now i'm not even a brother which is just so heartbreaking it really gives yeah it really gives it a happy ending and i thought they did a great job with that and they do focus and, and you could throw here's here's some more animation for you my friend they do focus a lot of this movie on kevin's marriage and his relationship with his wife pam uh kevin has gone on record if you've ever seen any of his interviews that when people ask him how have you been able to survive such such tragedy such such tragedy and he always says if it wasn't for my wife pam it wasn't for my wife pam and it basically shows probably the first 10 minutes in like how they met and their relationship and their marriage like basically how it blossomed so you have that as well my friend use that to say hey you know matt said there's it's, there's a love story in there and there's a good portion of that movie where it's a lot of on kevin and pam's uh relationship and their marriage which i thought was really really touching but yeah i highly recommend it if you have not gone out and see it yet please do uh it's a fan even if you don't know much about the von erics it's a great great movie and if you have seen it and you want to talk about it please guys you guys know how, know how to get a hold of me because i really really want to discuss this movie because i'm just a huge fan of uh, world-class championship wrestling and all things von eric Oh yeah, I um I'm probably if you know if uh, if I do try and get this to happen. And it is a big if, I'll be perfectly honest, but if I do try and get this to happen, the uh, the chances of me mentioning the name Von Eric um are very slim because I know for a fact that Kirsty will sneakily um just type in Von Eric, realize just how bloody sad the story is and all of the stuff surrounding the Von Erics. Um and I do find it hard to believe that they've managed to find 
a uh, positive spin to put on it when you consider the tragedy that has befallen that family. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to risk what little leverage I have by uh, <laughs> by giving her the name. But uh, anyway, anyway, it's enough sadness, enough Von Eriks, enough world-class championship wrestling, even though I have been uh, watching some on the WWE Network. So if you do want to watch any, they are readily available on the WWE Network. Um, let's talk a little bit about stardom. As Matt, we are on the precipice of stardom's biggest show uh, since the yokohama arena show in april we are on the precipice of the final stardom show which has been uh, of uh, a roller coaster 2023 i think it's fair to say there have been incredible ups you know we've seen mercedes monet in stardom that entire all-star grand cinderella all-star grand dream cinderella queendom loop-de-loop you know that thing <laughs> Um, was a fantastic show. Of course, there have been, you know, some negatives to go along with that, you know, the litany of injuries and the overbooking, and we, we've covered it all. But this year has been uh, a roller coaster. Yet, this Dream Queendom show, which we are approaching at a rate of knots, promises to be a really good and positive end to 2023 and today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking ahead to that show we're going to be giving you our preview um, and we're also going to be giving our review of new blood 12 which stream for free on youtube on christmas day um, and we're also going to be looking at the last night of the year end tour year end climax which was from corrigan hall um, on the 24th of december christmas Eve. that hasn't dropped on stardom world yet um you know as we are recording it's the 27th so we won't be doing that we will probably try and slip it into our dream queendom review which i do want to talk about a little bit long uh, a little bit more detail in a little moment but before we do that matt turner what is coming up on the patreon stardom cast extra this month or this week the should pa- i say the patreon boy folks we are busy we just released pretty much almost back to back our uh, roundtable discussion with Scotty Wrestling. This was a great one. This was a big one. This is one I kind of had in my mind back a few months ago, and it was who had the better championship reign? Was it Io Shirai? Her V14, which really is 16 matches because we include the match she wins the championship and the match she loses the championship versus Sai Kamatani's record. Oh, both of them are record breaking versus Sai Kamatani's V15, again, which is really 17 matches uh, of her Wonder of Stardom championship run. Uh, I think all three of us made great points on which one is better, which one is more important. It's literally, um, it's it's flip a coin. There's no wrong answer on that one. And uh, we've gotten some great feedback on that. And if you have not listened to it yet, you know, let us know. Let us know what you think is the better championship run. Was Io Shirai's V14 with the World of Stardom Championship? Or was it Sayakamitani's V15 with the uh, for the with the wonder of Stardom Championship? Both just phenomenal, phenomenal championship runs. Uh, two of the be- two of the best, if not two of the best championship runs in the history of stardom and also we end our uh, queen's quest christmas with our alternate commentary of mayu versus io shirai part three uh the final match in their championship trilogy that's our alternate commentary and probably by about the time this drops or by the probably by the end of the week mayu tommy hayashista uh the review of her 2020 five-star grand prix review that should be in your feeds by new year's eve 
also we uh i think we some of these podcast episodes are going to be coming out just a little bit late because rob and i just been so busy with the holidays so probably sometime next week after the new year we will be dropping our what if our uh what if episode what if that uh what if rob and i booked damage control versus queen's quest and by damage control i mean bailey Kyrie. Eo and Oscar versus Queen's Quest of Momo Watanabe, Yutami Hayashista, Sayakamatami, and Azumi. That'll be in your feeds sometime after the new year. And also, we finally figured this out. We've done this a handful of times where we'll be recording halfway through the month and we will realize, wait a minute, there's five Mondays <laughs> in whatever month that we're doing. So we literally have to scramble and find a match to do. Um, I did a little research just today, actually, and realized there's five Mondays in... <laughs> in january so the alternate commentary that'll be up on your patreon feeds come the beginning of the new year will be the finals of this year's five-star grand prix of suzu suzuki and micah so that's all the stuff that is on the patreon feed and that will be up in the next week and that will end not only the month of december but end the year of 2023 which is absolutely crazy which will take us into 2024 and Rob, I think it's time to tell the fantastic listeners of the Stardom Cast what we have on tap for the Patreon for the Stardom Cast Extra in the month of January. Are you ready? Are you ready to go, good sir? I was born ready. Let's do this. Go for it. No problem. So the bi-weekly podcast, the vote is the vote is up on my Twitter feed, or you can also send me an email as well. So the top two. Uh, get picked and i by the time this drops you probably still have about a day or so to vote so the voting will be i will do the review of all-star dream cinderella now if you've been listening to this podcast since the very first day first of all we thank you second of all i know that rob and chris did this review back before as part of the podcast i did ask rob's permission saying hey is it okay that if this wins the patreon uh, feed is okay if i review it rob uh, did send me a swear word and then told me it was okay but that's neither here nor there <laughs> I, so forgot you, I, did that. <laughs> you did. I think it was the day before christmas I said, that's not very christmas like my friend i think I, I, in my defense it had a couple of years <laughs> wow that was about 11 o'clock my time so that been four for you so good for you anyway <laughs> so, so the four four things you can vote for is the all-star dream cinderella show from budokan hall natsupoi's 2023 five-star grand prix run momo wantanabe's uh, red belt attempts her all of her attempts for the world of stardom championship as well as the fwc their two championship reigns for the goddess of stardom tournament Again, those are up on my Twitter feed. Go give it a vote or shoot me an email at thestardomcast22 at gmail.com. Now, as far as the alternate commentary goes, we do have five matches we'll be giving you in January. I mentioned just about a, a minute or so ago that we'll be doing Micah versus Suzu Suzuki from the Five Star Grand Prix. That'll be on week one. Rob, do you have your two matches that you want, you would like for us to do alternate commentary for for oh. the month of January, my friend? Oh, of course I don't. No. Um, uh, but I will definitely have them in preparation for our review of um, Dream Queendom. So, uh, okay. <laughs> underst- understandably, understandably, of course I don't. But uh, I've got an idea for one, um, which I'll run by. Unless you want me to do it live, shall we just see how this goes? Let's do it, brother, because I have 19 backups. Go ahead. Well, I'm sure it won't be one of them, but I would like to do the uh, World of uh, the Wonder of Sodom Championship match. I apologize. Um, between Kari Hojo and Konami. Ooh, I like that one. Good pick, my friend. Good 
So uh, what about you? What were your picks? So my two matches that I'm going to pick for our alternate commentary will be Mina Shirakawa defending the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Natsupoi. I know that's a match that me and you absolutely loved, an mm-hmm. instant classic, a terrific match. And uh, we have a lot of Mina maniacs that listen to the show <laughs> and that are part of the Stardom Cast Extra. So I figured that'd be a good one. And as well, Rob, uh, I've been watching a lot of AEW. Well, I watch AEW all the time. Um, I'm a big supporter of that brand. And there's been one wrestler that has been on the show quite a bit that um, I went back to her starter matches and watched. That's one Rio. So we're going to be going back. And I watched this match twice in a matter of six or seven days. And this match was great. We're going to be going back to the year-end climax 2020 as Rio teams up with Azumi to take on the MK sisters of Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani. So those would be my two matches that I have picked for the alternate commentary, sir. I am very, very excited by both of those ideas. Um, uh, And I just wanted to sort of piggyback onto that. Um, I know that we sort of discussed this, Matt, um, around about Christmas time. Um, I know that, obviously... (laughs) How do I put this? We know that everything everywhere is getting more expensive. um, And we've taken that into account with Stardom Cast Extra. Come 2024, we are going to be sort of reevaluating price points and what goes on to what tier. Because, you know, we want this to be affordable for you. So we will be, like I say, reevaluating that and sort of looking at maybe some things going on the free feed alongside the um, the re- weekly reviews. Um, some things moving down tiers, eradicating some tiers, um, and we'll sort of fe- feed that information out to social media when we get it, Matt. Yeah, it's kind of something Rob and I have been kicking, kind of going back and forth. We're obviously this is going to be a good thing. We're going to be giving you more bang for your buck. Probably in the next week or two, obviously, we want to focus this podcast on the review for the big show at the end of the year. So probably the next week or the week after, Rob and I will have a better idea of what what we're doing. Again, we're going to be lowering some of the price points, and we're still going to be giving you more and more content. So it'll be a good thing. Obviously, we want as many people to listen to not only the free feed, but the Stardom Cast Extra as well. So, uh, Leah, a lot of good stuff there. Oh, and before I forget... Our roundtable discussion, I don't want to say what it is just yet because I sent a message to the person I want on the show. She didn't get back to me yet, but our what if for the month of January would be what if Sayakamatani did not get injured on night one of the 2023 five-star Grand Prix. So that's everything that we have going on for the Stardom Cast Extra next month. And then once we figure out what everything else is going on, we will fill in the blanks as uh, between the holiday and just trying to schedule the rest of the podcast, um, you know, for uh, this week and next week, and obviously Dream Queendom uh, and the two pay-per-views at the beginning of the year. There's been a lot going on. So that's pretty much the roundabout of what we have. And like I said, in the next week or so, we'll fill everybody in on uh, what we're going to be doing in the month of January. Um, we're also going to be relaunching the Stardomcast website, which is hopefully going to be uh, a little bit more low maintenance for me in regards of upkeep um but it's going to have all the things that everyone 
needs to get into stardom, up-to-date championship histories, um, tournament winners, tournament statistics, um, podcast archives from both the free podcast and the Stardomcast Extra. You can go back and have a look at the Stardomcast Awards from the last three years before we head into awards season for 2023. Again, more information will come out about that very, very shortly. But let's kick into a little bit of discussion about what we actually should be talking about as we are already 23 minutes and we haven't spoken at all about the current product of Stardom. Um, I want to talk, as Matt has already alluded to, Stardom are running two back-to-back pay-per-views, the 20... Sorry, the 20. The 3rd of January and the 4th of January. The 3rd of January sees the return of the Triangle Derby Tournament. Um, The second incarnation of this, unlike last year, it is not going to be a round-robin tournament. I know we've already talked about this, but I just want to whip through it very, very quickly. Um, It's going to be a one-night tournament, eight teams, um, and the teams are as follows. You've got the Barry Barry Bombers, Julia May Sakurai and Tekla. You've got the Queen's Quest team of Lady C, um, Hina and Miyu Amasaki. That is a first round match. Another first round match is the team of Suzu Suzuki, May Seira and Megan Bain taking on the Queen's Quest A team of Yutami Hayashishita, Sayaka Matani and Azumi. That's a match to keep your eye out for. Um, Elsewhere in the first round, we have got the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hanan, and Saida taking on the Iweratai team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid. Um, and then in the final of the first round matches, the last two teams, Suri Murai and Ami Sori, taking on um, Ruaka, sorry, Rina, and Fukikan Death. Um, so we will have four first round matches, two semi-finals, and then a final um, with the winner being crowned the Triangle Derby 2024 winners. There's also an eight-person tag lower down on the card, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which makes me sad because it means Hazuki is not on the main card, but we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. We also have the return of the Rookie of Stardom tournament. Now, the Rookie of Stardom tournament is pretty much exactly what it says on the tin. You get the rookies, you put them in a tournament, and this tournament has been in varying incarnations it's been an actual single elimination tournament it's been one three-way i don't think they've actually run the tournament since 2019 i think was the last time they ran this tournament so it's exciting to see this being run as well on this 3rd of january pay-per-view um the um competitors in that are going to be yuzuki and rani yagami and Hanako versus Sayaka Karara. Um, of course, those two, Rani Yagami and Sayaka Karara, are the two rookies that um, uh, debuted at New Blood 12, which we're going to be talking about very, very shortly. And then, of course, that eight-person tag sees seven up, Yuen Nanai Tagashi, Hazuki and Saki Kashima taking on Mika, Mina Shirakawa, Sayori Anu, and Yuna Mizumori. I think it's quite funny, Matt, if uh, you have got Micah, who very mel- very well might be the Red Belt champion at this show, and they couldn't find more of a place for her than an undercard eight-person tag. But there we are. That is from January the 3rd, 2024, New Year Stars 2024, and that is going to be in the Yokohama 
Budokan. Um, uh, I'll get your opinion on that in a moment, Matt. I just want to run through the full card that has been announced for uh, Italian Stardom Gate, which is the Tokyo Dome City Hall show, which is going to be from January the 4th, the afternoon. Um, so you're still, if you are obviously in Japan at this time, first of all, lucky you. Second of all, you can watch this show and then walk the 100 or so steps over to the Tokyo Dome to take in Wrestle Kingdom 18. Um, we have got the full card for that show, as I've just said, and that is as follows. On the pre-show, we have got Lady C, Hina, and Miyu Amasaki taking on Hanako, Yuzuki, and Rana Yugami. We have got a six-person tag. Hazuki, Hanan, and Saida taking on Starlight Kid, Fukik, and Death, and Rina. Tag match, May Sakurai and Tekla taking on Mina Shirakawa and May Sailor. In six-person tag action, you've got Sayoriano, Yuna Mizumori, and Saki of Colors taking on Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka of Oeratai. Six-person tag match then, Utami, Saya Kamatani, and Azumi taking on Mirai, Amisori, and Saki Kashima of God's Eye. Tag team match in your semi-main event, um, Julia and Micah of Donna Del Mondo taking on Suzu Suzuki and Megan Bain. And then finally, in your main event, the IWGP Women's Championship will be on the line. Mayu, Mayu Iwatani, sorry, the champion, the third champion, looking for her third successful title defense against Suri, which is extremely exciting, Matt, because we've seen two championship matches already between these two, both times for the Red Belt, and they have both been first completely different matches and secondly they've both blown blown the expectations out of the water so i do have very very high expectations for this yeah not only that but their match from this this past year's five-star grand prix was one of if not the best matches of the entire tournament so yeah the expectations are so high that uh uh, Uncle MT over here got a little bit cocky on social media and said this might be the best match that happens on 1-4. So no disrespect to Sonata, Naito, and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson versus Kajusuko Okada. But you folks may have your uh, your work cut out for them because, yes, we've seen these two have some banger matches, you know, once with Mayu as the World of Stardom champion. And then back in 2022 when Shuri defended against Mayu on the final night of World Climax. And again, their match from this past year's five-star Grand Prix was one of the, not only the best matches of the tournament, but one of the best matches in all of stardom uh, this past year. So yeah, it's going to be a banger of a match. And I know when the match was announced, I quickly text you to let you know, I'm like, Hey, this is what they're doing. And I know that a lot of us thought that it was going to be Mayu versus Starlight Kid, just kind of the way the press conference from Dream Queendom built up. It was just really pretty much, and obviously we'll get into it. It's an eight-person tag where it's uh, Starlight Kid's Oedo Tai team versus Mayu Stars team. We're just really Mayu and Starlight Kid really kind of, you know, beefing up their their match, you know, uh, for this. So I thought, okay, maybe it's Starlight Kid that gets the win and then she gets the challenge on 1-4. But I think this match, no disrespect to Starlight Kid, obviously we've seen her, her and Mayu the last two five stars excuse me, in 2021 and 2022. They didn't wrestle at the finals of 2023 because Starlight Kid got injured. But their matches have been fantastic. But I think that since this match is going to get somewhere around 20 minutes, that we know that Mayu and Shuri can tell the longer story and the better story. Now, had this match taken place on Wrestle Kingdom, 
And uh, we know that this match would, would probably be given seven or eight minutes. <laughs> that, uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. That I think Mayu versus Starlight Kid would be the better match because they can do that higher speed style match and kind of be able to get seven or eight minutes in and tell that story. But I have a feeling, especially that undercard is solid, right? It's solid to be a really good undercard, but there's no other title matches on it. There's no high speed championship. We don't know what's going to happen with the red belt and the white belt because obviously those are up for grabs uh, on the uh the show here at the uh, end of the end of the year at Dream Queendom. So just a really solid undercard, but I think that they're looking to draw this entire show on Mayu versus Shiri, which is going to be absolutely fantastic because I get asked quite a bit, and I'm sure you do, Rob, is who's the greatest women's wrestler in the world? And it's really, I mean, again, it's subjective, but my two, my always go-tos are Shiri, especially what she did in 2021 and 2022, and then Mayu, because she's been the most consistent wrestler pretty much on any roster in the last six or seven years. So you've arguably two of the, you have arguably the two best women's wrestlers in the world today wrestling for the uh, IWGP Women's Championship match on the main event of a really, really big show. It's going to be surefire. Yeah, and I, I expect this one to go somewhere around the you know, 22, 23-minute mark, and I cannot wait to uh, to see it. I'm ex- I mean, I'm excited, brother. I'm excited all the time. I'm sure you guys can tell. I'm always hyped up, but the show, you know, obviously Dream Queendom is a loaded show from start to finish. I'm super excited for the two tournaments that we're getting on the third. Uh, Queen's Quest all the way for the win, by the way. And then, obviously, this match with Mayu and Sherry really pretty much to cap off what's going to be a fantastic week of wrestling, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen, you know, I've seen quite a few people, especially on social media, which have sort of highlighted the fact that, A, this is sort of a one-match card. And you're absolutely right. Yes, it is a one-match card. Um, But, you know, with these shows being so close together, you can't then put championship matches on these cards without knowing the direction. So you can't have Mirai defending the white belt if you know, you don't know what's going to happen at Dream Queenum against Sioriano. The only sort of difference that I would have, obviously that third card I'm absolutely fine with. I love the fact that it's something completely different. It's not just your standard pay-per-view. I love the fact that they're returning the Rookie of Stardom tournament. I think that's great. And I love the fact that they are putting their money where their mouth is and cutting down the schedule. The Triangle Derby did not need to be a round-robin tournament, making it a one-night tournament to making it the focus of this show. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. My only issue with this... Now, obviously, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, Hannon and Maysera, who have continued to escalate their feud um, in shows that we're going to be looking at. Um... Was there a place for a high-speed championship match on this card? Was there a place potentially for a Barry Barry Bombers Artist of Stardom Championship title defense? My issue is, obviously, we've had the injuries with... um, with May Sakurai, um, and we've obviously had inconsistencies in terms of, you know, who is on what show. But it does feel like the artist of stardom championships do get forgotten about, especially recently. Um, and I just wanted to draw attention to that, Matt, because this card, yes, absolutely, that match between Mayu and, and Suri will blow the roof of the Tokyo Dome City Hall. Everyone who watches Stardom, everyone who is familiar with Mayu, who is familiar with Suri, is excited for that match. It's a money match. Am I surprised that it's not Starlight Kid Mayu, which they seem to be building towards? 
slightly, but that's a match we've got in our back pocket for later on, which I'm also very excited about, especially as Mayu has come out in an interview recently, which I think was with Kakatoro Mag, I think it's called. And she did actually say, you know, I know that I haven't been defending this belt very often. You know, I want to defend it more. And if they are looking at getting that belt on more cards, having Starlight Kid versus Mayu as a challenge they can just sort of go to without doing any build really is perfect. But Suri here, money match. However, you then look at the rest of the card and you think it's it's your standard sort of it's your standard undercard. There's no real, for lack of a better phrase, sexy matchups. This would be the perfect undercard where something like an artist of stardom championship belt would be perfect on the line. Or a high speed championship. Have May Sarah defend that belt against Hannon on this show just to give it that extra bit of muscle and the reason i wanted to sort of bring up the artist of stardom belts in particular is they gained the belt on the 27th of may which was flashing champions and unfortunately people seem to forget that match because of the double championship main event but it was the match against restart Kyrie natsupoy and siorianna now since that point matt we have had three championship defences from Barry Barry Bombers in 215 days. Now, we know we're not going to have a championship defence until after January 4th, which is another, what, seven days, eight days? So that's now 220-odd days, three tile defences. You can't tell me that there wasn't room on this card, especially as May, Sarah, uh, May Sakurai, who I know was out sort of intermittently throughout the year with injury. She's on this card with Tekla in a tag with Mina Shirakawa and May Sarah. Julia is in the semi-main with Micah in a tag match. You can't tell me that there's not, you know, there's not scope to put Barry Barry Bombers against Mirai, Amisori and Saki Kashima for the Artist of Sardom Belts and then have Maysera and Hannon on the card as well. Because that then becomes a very, very, very good pay-per-view, doesn't it? Am I just am I just being a big negative Nancy, or can you sort of see where I'm coming from with that? I a thousand percent can see where you're coming from from this. Now, Rob, maybe I'm just saying this because I am very biased towards one faction, and that would be Queen's Quest. Uh, I don't know. Now, here's here's what I would do. And they could do this. This is literally, They literally might just have this card announced as a placement. And remember, it always says card subject to change. Of course. They literally, they literally said, we're just going to put this out, and then we're going to build to this after the third. They literally can have... Now, Queen's Quest is a hot topic in stardom because of the return of Sai and Utami and the way that they the way that their return has been booked. And Izumi is fantastic as well. Flawless. What if... I'm just throwing this out there. What if Queen's Quest wins the tournament and then at the very end they call it the Berry Berry Bombers for a title shot and then Julia's like, you know what? Let's do it tomorrow. And then you move some... Now I know there is... That, that semi-main event is a very tasty matchup, but you can move some parts into that now. You can kind of just move the the, the tag match with uh, Julia and uh, my Sakurai versus uh, Mina and May and you kind of just move some things. Or even on the 29th, maybe after the, uh, the six-person tag match with um with May uh um uh, May Sarah teaming with Sherry and Mina versus Seven Up and Azumi. Why don't you have Hannon come out 
and say, you know what, I want to challenge you to the fourth. I know the card's made up. And then you kind of jumble some things around. So now you have May for that show on the fourth. And again, you're trying to draw around 3,000 people for that show. It's going to help that it's on. It's literally a, a few uh, steps away from the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom, just a few hours away. Obviously, it helps huge with Shuri versus Mayu as your main event. But what if on these shows that a lot of people are going to be watching on the 29th and on the 3rd, not only watching, but are going to be going to, at literally you build to a Hanun versus Maysera match, which we've seen and we're going to talk about it on these matches. And now on the semi-main, you're giving me Julia, uh, May Sakurai, and Tekla, the Berry Berry Bombers, defending against Saya, Utami, and Izumi. Oh, and by the way, your main event is Shuri versus Mayu. That's the way that I would kind of do it. So I'm totally with you on that. It's a solid undercard. It's stardom. Everything's going to be great. But it looks like from the announced card that they're doing, they're looking to draw everything on Shuri versus Mayu, which, again, if I'm paying $40, $50, $60 a ticket, that match alone is going to be worth my my ticket price alone. But at the same time, there's no reason why we can't get a high-speed championship match here and an artist of of stardom championship match. Again, especially when the day prior, which a lot of people will be attending, you can crown your Triangle Derby final winners – and the next night, while it's hot and it's in front of everybody's mind, you give them the title shot. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to do this as sort of a placeholder and maybe they do add things to it, then fine. And again, I completely understand not having, you know, the Goddess of Stardom tam- Championships on there because you don't know how that's going to pan out at Dream Queen and completely understand that. And I've, had, I've seen some people, obviously, on social media because social media is where everyone is completely 100% right <laughs> in their opinion and no one can see have me believe any other way. Um, but I've seen some people saying, oh, Stardom have had this change in management on Bushi Road and yet we're still having so many pay-per-views. We are, but they they've already booked the venue. Yes. You, you you can't just you can't just not turn up. Like you know, venues are booked. Like yeah, venues are booked months in advance. This was probably booked in August, if not earlier. So yeah, you know, it's going to happen until all of the original dates have been honored. We might still have a slight backlog of pay per views because I know that Stardom of Commands that basically wants to try and lower the schedule or at least sort of trim down that schedule. Julia has been very vocal about the injuries. Mayu has been very vocal about the injuries. Um, So they are trying to do that. And actually that sort of brings me into the next point because we have sort of a roadmap for 2024 um, with two shows being announced at New Blood as well. Um, Well, one show being announced at New Blood, one being sort of reiterated. So we've got the New Year's Stars show, which is going to be the Triangle Derby-centric show. That's January 3rd. Uh, Etenyon Stardom Gate, that is going to be January 4th at Tokyo Dome City Hall. Obviously, Mayu and Suri in the final, uh, sorry, in the main event. We've then got a full month, at the moment, a full month until the next pay-per-view, which is Supreme Fight. Um, That is February 4th, at Edian Arena Osaka. And I think that's going to work as sort of the 13th anniversary show. You've then got the Stardom Cinderella tournament, something that both me and Matt said at the end, sort of at the end of the Cinderella tournament last year, was that it got lost in the shuffle between the end of the Triangle Derby and the All-Star Grand Queendom card. The Cinderella tournament was sort of a casualty of booking too many shows together they've not done that this year at the moment again 
This is just at the moment. The Cinderella tournament is the only thing happening, big show-wise, for stardom in March. Running from the 9th, the opening night is going to be on the 9th at the Yokohama Budokan. Again, seems to be stardom's favourite venue at the moment. And it's running until the finals on the 20th. Okay, so that is what we've got. And then we've got to wait another month for All-Star Grand Queendom at Yokohama Buntai. Now, if Stardom are serious about just having one pay-per-view a month, this already feels like a step in the right direction because already you've got more focus on the Cinderella tournament. That big show in February, the fact that you are going from January 4th Without a, sh- without a big show, obviously there's going to be undercard shows, there's going to be house shows, quote-unquote, but you've got a big gap between January 4th and February 4th, and then an even bigger gap between February 4th and March 9th. So it gives pay-per-views chance to breathe, it gives rivalries chance to breathe, it gives wrestlers chance to rest. If they can do this, if they can continue to do this, and obviously, you know, crunch time is going to be the five-star Grand Prix. Because for me, the most congested part of the stardom calendar is the five-star Grand Prix, especially the last couple of years where we've had random nights of the five-star being made pay-per-views. We've had random pay-per-views inserted into the middle of the five-star Grand Prix. Obviously, stardom x stardom the last two years. We've had five-star special in Hiroshima, which had random title matches on it. So if we can really slim down this schedule like this schedule that i've just read out to you if they don't add any more pay-per-views to it this is perfect because in my opinion you will see a rise in attendance at these shows because you're not oversaturating your market so fingers crossed for me at least matt these are a step in the right direction I think, Rob, you referred to this earlier as the Kurt Henning schedule because it was absolutely perfect. Spits the gum, hits it. Anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, the one thing that we've said is that the stardom schedule needs to be looked at because there was, I mean, we keep using the example of that bloody Halloween show, which I think is going to go down in folklore as one of the worst wrestling shows I've ever had to review. Um, but, you know, if we can sort of cut down those shows, you know, we had Midsummer Fairs as well, which was sort of random in the middle of July, a week after we had um, the, oh, what show was it they had a week after? It was, there was like two shows within a week. So if we can cut down those sort of unnecessary shows, I think we are going to see an upturn in uh, in fortunes for stardom and most importantly, less injuries. Yeah, Rob, I think we should make our New Year's. Obviously, we, we pride ourselves on being positive people and bringing positivity uh, to uh, this company we love, Stardom. We should try to make it a New Year's resolution where we don't talk about two things in the year 2024, the Halloween <laughs> show and the uh, and the uh, the uh, little bit over five minutes that Tam and Kyrie got at last year's Tokyo Dome. Because I tell you what, that really burns me up. But uh, no, brother, you're absolutely right. Not only that, you're only doing one pay-per-view a month it makes your quote-unquote house shows feel more special. Not only that, but you're probably going to get a Cork and Hall show probably every three to four or five weeks, give or take. I think if we were to go back and look at the stardom stardom schedule, easy for me to say, stardom schedule, that I think they do one Cork in like every month or so, give or take. So you have these 
these Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows or Friday, Saturday shows or whatever you do, whatever they have, they'll feel more special. Granted, they'll mostly be uh, multi-person tag matches and you're going to be giving the starting rookies, which we'll get into a little bit because there's five of them that debuted in 2023 and I'm blown away by all five of them, especially the two new ones that have only had one match, but you're going to give them some more, you'll give them reps and you'll make their matches feel bigger on these quote unquote house shows. But then you use these shows to build up towards your pay-per-view. So I think that uh, that's smart and it's going to cut down the schedule a little bit. It's going to make stardom more. You're still going to get it. It's not like you're only seeing them once a month. You'll probably see them eight, nine shows during the month, depending on the schedule. And then you're one pay-per-view. So, you know, maybe nine or 10 shows, but it's going to make stardom feel more special. Again, we just had Christmas. Christmas wouldn't be as big of a deal with everybody if it was every day. It's one day out of the year. Um, so I think that's kind of stardom, kind of like their philosophy is what they're, what they're going to. You know, we saw it in 2022. We saw it in 2021. But at the same time, if you look at the business aspect, the fact that stardom has made Bushi Road so much money in 2021 and 2022, they figure let's just run more shows. Because then it means more, you know, more ticket sales, more capital, you know, more pay-per-views, more people are buying. But then they thought, you know, maybe they kind of just filled the glass up just a little bit too much. And it was overflow. We saw the injuries. We saw this, the exhaustion from the Stardom fans and the fact that there were times where in the in a month between what you pay on Stardom World and on the pay-per-views where some of the Stardom fans were shelling out close to like $100 a month. Um, so it was just, yeah, I completely agree with you that it's going to make these shows that are coming up on stardom world and kudos to the fantastic people that run stardom world because they've been able to get these litanies of shows up in uh, record time. And I'm assuming that the last, what they'll probably do in 2024 is you'll probably see a, sh- a show will happen in 24 hours later. You'll probably see that show pop up on stardom world. So to make that show feel, you know, feel bigger and better. And again, the Corkin shows will feel almost as like a springboard to get into the next pay-per-view and it'll make the pay-per-views feel big because like, like, you know, like you just said, buddy, the, uh, the, what's going to be pretty much the anniversary show coming up on the 4th of February, you know, that's going to be loaded. I think that's where probably Tam is going to be getting her championship match. Um, you know, obviously she had a, you know, uh, we'll get into that when we get into our review and then the next pay-per-view, you have the Cinderella tournament, the fact that they're, uh, they're lessing it a little, and it's not going to get lost in the shuffle of, uh, of all-star grand queendom. That's going to be very interesting. And then again, you then we go into April. It's the end of April. We have All Star Grand Queendom, which is going to prove to be one of, if not the biggest show that we see in stardom in the year of 2024. So all good stuff, all exciting stuff. And uh, yeah, good stuff, brother. Keeping in that sort of vein of positivity, um, obviously we we had the we, we had the news the report that um Tam's injury was a little bit worse than they thought obviously she had to vacate the belt um uh, but it does appear that she is on the road to recovery and will be coming back i know that retirement was sort of tossed around by a lot of news outlets but Rossi O'Gowan, all of our translations, as always, are courtesy of HD subs over on Twitter. Um, Rossi O'Gowan posted something that said, I met with Tam Nakano after a long time and we had lunch. She had completely regained her energy and we talked about the timing of her return. Please wait for that announcement, which is great. It seems like it's imminent. He's also announced that Tam will be making an appearance so matt turner well done you make enough predictions you are bound to be right good sir Uh, (laughs) um you're not wrong you're not wrong (laughs) 
Um, that Sam will be making an appearance at um, Stardom Dream Queendom on December 29th. Presumably not in a competitive capacity. I'm not assuming that the title match is randomly going to be made a three-way. Um, but she will be there. I am hoping that we get some sort of timetable for Tam's return at that show. Whether she gives us an idea as to when she will return. Now, uh, I might be looking far too much into this, and I probably am, but she is featured on the video package for the Supreme Fight Show, which, as I've already said, is going to be taking place on the 4th of February. So uh, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that Tam will be returned in time for that show. Obviously, you know, we've had the cards announced for the back-to-back pay-per-views in January. She's not on those. Obviously, if it was me, I would I wouldn't rush Tam in. I'd really, really take care of her, especially as, you know, this knee injury and all of the weird circumstances surrounding it. Really take care of her until she's ready to come back. There's no rush for it but if she's back in time for that pay-per-view that big 13th anniversary show i'd be very 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 excited man what about you do you think dream queendom is where we get a little bit more clarity on the return of tam rob do you want me to tell my far out prediction with tam that's gonna happen on dream queendom that's really not gonna happen i'm not sure matt if i'm honest (laughs) (laughs) i'm a little bit scared now have you ever seen wrestlemania 9 and by that i mean the finish of wrestlemania 9 we've all seen wrestlemania (laughs) 9 good sir and i know where this is going so what's going to happen is they're going to have juliet and now tam is going to do cut a promo halfway through the show saying she's back she can't wait to be back she's going to challenge uh she's going because she never lost the belt she's going to be looking forward to getting back to getting a championship match uh sometime soon whether it's going to be micah versus suzu suzuki She's going to do commentary for the second half of the show. For the main event, Julia, who's the leader of Donald Del Mundo, as you know, who has a vested interest in this match, she comes out to do commentary. The whole entire time during commentary, Julia and Tam are kind of bickering at each other because we all know that is a very heated rivalry between Julia and Tam Nakano. So, of course, it's the main event. It's startup. It's a big show. There's going to be some sort of table bump where Julia eventually gets knocked over as she makes her way up. She kind of makes her way up on the outside to the apron, there's a little bit of a ref bump. We see Julia turn on Micah and help Suzu Suzuki win the World of Stardom Championship. Tam can't believe it that she would turn her back on Micah like that. Tam is consulting a broken heart at Micah. Julia, very much playing the role of Mr. Fuji back in Las Vegas at <laughs> WrestleMania 9, says that Julia, you're our Tam, you're a coward. You couldn't defend the belt against Suzu Suzuki. I issue a challenge right here, right now. You versus Suzu Suzuki. Tam takes out Julia. She takes out Suzu Suzuki. Bigfoot, leg drop. Tam walks out of Dream Queendom as the World of Stardom champion. Matt, you know I love you. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're, you're a dear friend and you are the heartbeat of the Stardom cast. But I have honestly, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, I have never wanted anyone to be more wrong than I want you to be right now. <laughs> no, that's not that's that's obviously not gonna happen, but I think that you're gonna see Tam somewhere. I think you'll see her that she'll make a challenge. Maybe she'll even say that she's cleared. Maybe again, she's featured very heavily in the video package for um the anniversary show, Supreme Fight in February. 
I think that's a great way because we have that's a great way to build up where she says, I never lost the belt. I would like to challenge the winner of Micah versus Suzu Suzuki. And then you leave it at that. Whoever wins between Micah and Suzu Suzuki, because it's crowning of a new champion, I don't think we should have a challenger come in right away. I think that it should be their moment, but then that match is over. The smoke clears from the weekend. We know that we have Tam, who's a big, big draw for stardom, who never lost the red belt, will then challenge either Micah or Suzu on the pay-per-view coming up on the 4th. I think that's a great way to go into it because now we have about a month build and we already know what our direction is. I think that's where they're going to go with it. There's not going to be the uh, Hulk Hogan playing, or Tam playing the Hulk Hogan method at WrestleMania 9. That was just my joke, my friend. You know I like to be a little silly. <laughs> Thank goodness um i if if i'm being if i'm being honest i think tam comes back um at the at the um supreme fight show um i'd be surprised if she's back before then i think she will be in a multi-woman um on the undercard don't thrust her into a championship match straight away but i do feel like like with say kamatani i feel like perhaps aphrodite versus meltier might be the oh, match to go to. Brother, um, yes, yes. I mean, I'm gonna pull a, I'm gonna pull a reverse. I never want anybody to be so right before. In my <laughs> life. That's that's where I would like it to go. Um, because Meltia versus Aphrodite is is a money match, and especially you know you think the Cinderella tournament is coming up you've got the finals which i presume is going to be the pay-per-view as it should be as it has been the last couple of years um and i think you know the cinderella show two years ago had a really really good undercard you know aside from the tournament itself so to have maybe meltia versus aphrodite on the undercard would be uh would be incredible of course it does eradicate sire and utami from the running in the cinderella tournament but that's fine because hazuki's gonna win it um let's move on to uh, now matt i'll be perfectly honest I've, last i must apologize i was uh, i wasn't on the stardom cast last week i had an issue with a child and obviously you know working in a school that means that meetings must take place um especially when it's around uh, sensitive information so i couldn't get out of it um and rather than cancel it i was like matt can you do it on your own and because he's a champion among men he did so on that i must admit i haven't actually listened to that episode and i don't know whether you covered the very bizarre circumstances around Chan Yota. No, I have not, sir. Not at all. Right. So, ahead of New Blood 12, which, as we know, took place December 25th, and for those of you that have watched it, you will know that Chan Yota was on that card. However, there was a little bit of bizarre communication relapse where, and, you know, considering where Stardom have been in the last couple of months... Um, it just seems to be another thing. Um, this is what um, new Stardom or Bushi Road fight president Taro Okada had to say again, courtesy of HD subs. Due to a lack of information sharing within the company, again, seems to be uh, something of a buzzword at the moment, lack of information sharing. There was a situation in which the match card for Chan Yota, who'd been offered a chance to participate for a long time, was not set up. So I'll carry on with that quote in a minute, but just to set this, sort of put this into context, Chan Yota had been promised a match on New Blood 12, and then they'd just forgotten her. 
great stuff. Um, this issue is entirely a matter of our company's management. I would like to apologize to Chan Yota. The day after the incident was discovered, we took the time to apologize to Mr. Matomi, who is the representative of PPP Tokyo, which is Chan Yota's home promotion, and explain the situation. Representative Matomi has accepted our apology. We will continue to work hard to ensure the future prosperity of both organizations and restore trust in our company. Once again, we would like to apologize to PPP Tokyo and to Chan Yota. Um, I don't know if you saw the videos that May Sakurai put on social media where she filmed basically her going in to Mr. Okada's office and demanding <laughs> that Chan Yota be put on the card, which I did think was very funny. Um, but this, this just seems to be, and again, I'm giving them completely the benefit of the doubt. And I'm just assuming that this is overlay from the previous regime, but this, this just seems to be the epitomization of the backstage mess that stardom seems to have found themselves in over recent months, Matt. I'll tell you one thing as a uh, fellow wrestler, I hope she got paid up. Obviously she was on the card. We'll talk about it. I hope she got paid up front. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, okay, you have me for this day. Okay, great. Well, here's my PayPal or whatever. Send the check here. And then it's just like, oh yeah, we forgot a booker. It's like, well, I already got paid. So that's on you. Um, but obviously they made right by the situation. She was on the card. I did see that uh, a day or two before the new blood show, which was probably about a day or two after I uh, did the podcast that, uh, that she was booked and then not booked, like with promise to be booked. They kind of just forgot putting her on the card. So obviously she was on the card and she had a fantastic outing, which we'll get into a little bit, mm-hmm. but yeah, it might be from the old regime because you just, you have to have communication. We said all the time, you have to have communication in any form of business that you're in just to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row, especially when you have just a huge production that stardom is between you're doing this show, New Blood Live. So it's completely different than when you're going to tape it and then you're going to put it on Stardom World, you know, in two or three days or whenever it is. And then you're doing it on Christmas as well. And you're debuting a few new rookies. And obviously you have big stars on the show like Shuri and Sai Kamatani. You need to make sure all this stuff is taken care of. And they just kind of, because Chen Yoda is not a part of the Stardom roster. It's kind of like, yeah, we have this, this, and this, but like you kind of need to know who you have booked for that show. So you know what to put it, uh, who to put on what match. But I thought they did a great job covering it up with uh, and who knows? It might've been May Sakurai just being May Sakurai um, or my Sakurai. Just like, yeah, I'm going to use this opportunity to get myself even more over. <laughs> so I think kudos, kudos to Sakurai who was just like, yeah, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it, which is just the beauty of professional wrestling where you can take something that kind of goes awry or something where there's a hiccup and make turn it into something better. And that's what Sakurai did, which I thought was just pure genius on, uh, on her behalf. Yeah, I was a big fan, big fan of May Sakurai for that. Um, uh, just another couple of things that I want to talk about. Um, uh, Julia did an interview with Number Mag, which, again, courtesy of HD Subs, we have a little bit of a uh, insight into what Julia is thinking. Um, one quote in particular is a favorite of mine. When Julia was asked whether she prefers Japan or overseas, this was her answer. Again, courtesy of HD subs. Japan is the place to be when it comes to ease of living and life. It's safe. The prices are somewhat low. There's delicious food and the toilets are clean. Um, now, I don't know what that says about American toilets, Matt Turner, but apparently <laughs> you need to literally sort your mess out. Um, she goes on to say... <laughs> Let me interrupt you. She's not wrong with my job. I'm on the road constantly, constantly because of 
of just how active I am, I try to drink around a gallon of water per day. What I'm trying to say, Rap Goodwin, is I need to find clean bathrooms to use. Now, my wife is a clean freak, so my two bathrooms in my house are always clean all the time. But when I'm on the road and I need to use the toilet as much as I do, there are certain stores that I know have clean bathrooms that I'm like, no, I can't go to that one. No, I can't go to that one. Oh, I'll be at this one in about a half an hour. I guess I guess I have to hold it. So she's not wrong, but at the same time, she might be overlooking a WWE contract to stay in stardom just because Japan has clean bathrooms. So congratulations, Japan. <laughs> Uh, she goes on to say, I think Japan is amazing. Which one is better? I know the good and bad things about overseas countries and that of Japan too. It's hard to decide. Um, she did go on to say, and if you do want to go and read the interview, HD Subs has them all in a thread. Um, she goes on to say, um, yes, she loves to wrestle overseas and the New Japan Strong Belt has been uh, a big sort of change in her life in that regard. She's able to go and wrestle overseas, but she says she wants to raise the profile of women's pro wrestling in japan first um she also goes on to talk about the injuries of stardom and how yes it's an unstable situation but she goes on to say this is the opportunity for people who aren't necessarily on the brink of being you know pushed into the main event this is their opportunity to go through and sort of make themselves known and that's something that we said as well matt you know yes on the negative side injuries are a terrible terrible thing pardon me however on the same hand, you know, or on a different hand, depending, um, those that are near the bottom of the card, like Sayurida, for example, this is her opportunity to really push and make a name for herself so that when they are thinking of, right, who can we put in this wonder of stardom championship match, they'll think, actually, Sayurida really stepped up when we had that real injury crisis. Maybe we should give Sayurida that opportunity, and that's how you get put forward into the main event. And I thought it was interesting that Julia had that same thought. Um, however, I want to move on because I realized that we are an hour into this podcast, Matt, <laughs> and we haven't actually talked at all about either of the stardom shows that we're going to talk about. So we'll kick straight in to uh, the show from the 23rd of December, which was the Stardom Year End Tour 2023 Night 7. Um, it was in the Warabi Citizen Gymnasium in Saitama, Japan, in front of 302 people. Your results are as follows. In a tag team match, which was also billed as Saki Kashima's return match, um, Hanako and Saki defeated Mina Shirakawa and Yuzuki in 6 minutes and 53 seconds. Saki Kashima getting the pinfall over Yuzuki after Hanako hit the brainbuster. Brand new gear for Saki Kashima as well. A six-woman tag match next. A Weretai team of Ruaka, Rina, Fukik and Death defeated the Queen's Quest team of Hina, Lady C and Miyu Amasaki in 7 minutes and 28 seconds it is a multi-woman match and you know what that means Fukigan Death gets the victory with of course the O'Connor roll over Lady C um, in a really short but really ferocious singles match Micah defeated Yuna Mizumori in 6 minutes and 40 seconds with the Michinoku Driver 2 um, in a six-woman tag match, Crazy Star, Meisera and Suzu Suzuki and Megan Bain defeated the Stars team of Hanan, Hazuki and Saya Ida with Saya Ida taking the pin. Um, <laughs> Megan Bain getting the pin with the choke bomb. Um, a little bit of interesting afters between Hanan and Meisera, which we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, there was then a six-woman tag match with the Barry Barry Bombers team of Julian May Sakurai and Tekla and the God's Eye team of Suri Amisori and Mirai going to a 15-minute time limit draw. 
And then in your main event, six woman tag team action. The Uwera tag team of Natsukatora, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid defeated the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashishita, Sayak Kamatani, and Azumi with Momo Watanabe pinning Azumi in 14 minutes and 22 seconds with the Peach Sunrise. Um, Matt, what should people be tuning in for? Obviously, aside from the main event, which I'm sure we'll be talking about because the main event was fantastic, and obviously, aside from the Hannon and Maysera feud, which we seem to be de- sort of doubling down on. Hey, first of all, I just want to say Saki Cashman now, her new gear is red and black, very much like, well, now that Shuri is wearing silver, so I think Saki has now stole the color scheme from Shuri. Very much like how she stole the win in this match, my friend, because it was Hanako who hits the brain buster. Mm-hmm. And then Saki Kashima's like, yeah, I'm going to come in for the pin, which is welcome back, Saki Kashima. Um, yeah, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, get, it went less than seven minutes, but Micah versus Yuna Mizumori mm-hmm. was fantastic. And I always, Yuna's been great, getting a great shot. Uh, ever since Tam and Natsupoy went down with these injuries, they've really put a focus on her. Obviously, she's eating pinfall after pinfall after pinfall. But like we say on this podcast all the time, it's not who goes over, it's who gets over. Yuna, they put her in this tag team with Soriano just kind of like just to get through some of these tours with Natsupoy's injuries. And Yuna and Soriano have been a phenomenal team. And we've seen Yuna in these great matches over the past few weeks in these singles matches with Momo Watanabe versus Mina Shirakawa. And this one with Micah was was just as good as those matches. So that would be one definitely for everybody to watch out for. Um, also, the uh, the match with the Stars team with Hazuki Hana, Saida versus Megan Bay and Maysara, Suzu Suzuki. That was great. Again, Suzu and Hazuki picking up right where they left off just from a few weeks ago from their pay-per-view main event. They weren't in the ring that long, but anytime they were in their ring, it's just like now we're just going to amp up any violence that's going to happen on this show. That was really good. I actually gave... Um, Match three, four, and five, I actually had them at three and three-fourth stars. So Micah versus Yuna, uh, the stars versus Crazy Star, Megan Bain, and then the time limit draw with uh, Donald Del Mundo, uh, the Berry Berry Bombers versus God's Eye. I thought all three of those matches were great, but the main event to me was the one uh, that absolutely stole the show. I had it at four stars, and it was my favorite match of these two shows we're going to review, my friend. I love the fact that Azumi still can't quite seem to shift this Moma Watanabe-sized shadow she's got looming over her. You know, for all of the for all of the accolades she's getting, for all of the, oh my God, she's only 20 and she's so good that she's getting, she still can't beat Momo Watanabe when it matters. She still can't quite sort of pull herself out of the shadow of a best friend turning her back on her. And I do like that as an overarching story between Oedetai and Queen's Quest because I think with whatever was going on i think momo's turn on queen's quest yes she had a couple of matches with azumi but it didn't it never really it never really had a definitive end um you know there wasn't really a a big blow off between her and utami there wasn't really a huge blow off between her and saikamatani um and i think azumi was the one that had the big feud with Momo. And the fact that Momo is still winning, I think, is a big thing. It means, you know, later on, maybe in 2024, Azumi will get that big win over Momo Watanabe, maybe pinning Momo Watanabe to win the Cinderella tournament. But who knows? You know, obviously, for now, we're focusing on Momo and Tora taking on Aphrodite. And we had loads of little... um 
sort of inklings to what we're going to get at Dream Queendom, um, which is going to be hard-hitting and power, which I am a big, big fan of, because you've got Momo who strikes like very few others in stardom, um, and Sayakamitani who sells like very few people in stardom. So I'm very excited for that little exchange. I'm excited for Toro and Utami, who showed that they're just going to beat the ever-loving hell of each other with brutal power. I love that. I think that's where Toro really flourishes. Um, I think Aphrodite are going to win, but giving them the win here sort of makes them seem like more of a threat. And I think people were a bit underwhelmed when Tora and Momo Watanabe came out as the first challenges for Aphrodite. But in my opinion, Utami brings out the best in Tora. And Momo is on a streak like she hasn't been on in years in terms of brutality and consistency. So I'm excited for this match, Matt. And actually, I'm calling it now. I think it will be low-key one of the matches of the night. I think outside of the main event, because oh, then again, you have Mariah versus Soriano. But yeah. yeah, very well could be the best match of the night. But that main event's going to have so much emotion, especially the fact that we don't really know. I think me and you are probably going to agree on the three other title matches. Uh, obviously, the Goddess, the uh, New Japan Strong, and the Wonder of Stardom. So that red belt, we kind of don't know who's going to win. It's still up in the air, and I'm really excited to get your prediction at the end of the show. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I think that is, even though we're going to, I think we're both going to predict an Aphrodite win. I just don't see them dropping it on a V1. I think they're going to have a big, big run as well because you can draw money of them as a tag team. But they're doing a great job building up Momo and Tor going into uh, this final show of the year at Dream Queendom. If you remember, um, I know you weren't on the show last week, but last week I pointed out that Momo pinned Sayaka Matani in their multi-person tag match that they had. And it was eight versus eight. You could have very easily pinned Miyu Amasaki. They had her pin Saya. And when's the last time Saya has dropped a fall in a multi-person, basically, house show? It's been a long, long time. They do a great job uh, protecting Saya Kamatani. And Azumi as well. Azumi does not drop a lot of falls. I thought when this match was advertised, this was going to go to the time limit draw. But considering the fact the match before did, I was like, okay, Ruwaka is going to eat the fall here, right? She kind of has to. But they had Momo. It's basically almost the same finish they did with Saya. It was uh, the joint back pipe shot and then the uh, the tequila sunrise, uh, which she pinned Azumi, but I think it might have been the peach sunrise two weeks prior she pinned Saya. So now it's like Momo is going through all the top members of Queen's Quest, but has not pinned Utami yet. So I think that's going to be a big, big focus in this match. But they're building up not only Momo, but Momo and Tor together, as they had a phenomenal run in this past year's Goddess of Stardom tournament. They look terrific. One of the MVP teams of the tournament. And now you have Aphrodite coming back. You have that mixed-in story with Momo as the former leader. And then you throw in the fact that regardless of what you think of stardom's booking this entire year, and it's been off and on, I get it. You can't deny that the best booking that maybe they've ever done was the way that that, that cage match was built up. And then the, and then the final part of the cage match. And now you're literally taking your four main components in that match with Tora as the leader, Momo as the former leader that of Queen's Quest that defected, and then you had that story with Saya and Utami. You have Utami and Saya are their joint, they're back from injury, they're rested, they're the tag champs, they're going to be fantastic, they're always fantastic, and Momo and Tora are on a completely different level, and again, you've given Momo a lot of big wins leading up to this tag match. The one thing that I'm really going to be looking for is Saya when she was making her comeback, 
from her injury said she's going to try to slow down her style a little bit. <laughs> now, since she's been back, it's since she's been back, we've only seen her do the springboard plancha to the outside. We've seen no 450. We've no, seen no Phoenix splash. This is a big show, a big match where Tommy is very well said. I want to use this match to finally put Momo Watanabe and a Oedo tie in my rearview mirror and move on with Sai Kamatani and Queen's Quest. Is this a match where we see maybe Utami use maybe the BT bomb or the torture rack bomb and then Saya finish either Momo or Torov? I think it's got to be Momo that they pin in this match just because of the past history and the fact Momo is getting all these wins. Do we see Saya finally hit the 450 or the Phoenix Splash for the first time in months? I can't think of a better way to end this match than have that be the finish. So I think it's going to be Saya Kamatani hitting either the uh, the Phoenix Splash or the 450 on Momo. But they've done a great job building this tag match up with these Oedo Tai versus Queen's Quest multi-person matches. And I'm really, really excited to uh, to see it on the 29th. Yeah, absolutely. I think this was a good prelude. Obviously, we had the elimination match between Queen's Quest and Oedo Tai from the year-end climax show in Corrigan, but that hasn't been uploaded as of yet this for me was also match of the night it's a great match great prelude tag and effectively you have got and this again there's no disrespect to the other members of the factions but you've got a weather ties a team in momo nats katora and starlight kid taking on the a team of queen's quest azumi saikamatani and utami it's not going to miss um earlier on in the card obviously we had hanan and maysera and we've talked a little bit about their feud but it really began to intensify here to the point where usually happy smiley hannon was chasing maysera at the ring and then maysera after the bell came after hannon both women attacking each other with a sort of violence that we that we aren't used to seeing from either person and i quite like this different side to both women, partly for me because Hannah needs that other side if she's going to ascend to the top of the card like we both believe she will. And Maysayer as well, because for me, Maysayer has been one of the wrestlers of the year. Um, and it's nice to see her get what is effectively her first real feud in stardom. Um, I know, obviously, you know, she was going after the high-speed championship, but if you think back to her debut, she hasn't really had that real venomous feud and I think Hannon could be that. And also, it is worth noting as well, what really made me laugh is, as uh, Megan Bain and Suzu Suzuki and Sayurida and Hazuki are trying to break this up, I've never seen Hazuki look happier, as though she's going, oh, look at Hannon, getting all violent, my little protege. I love that. Like, Hazuki just constantly living the gimmick. Um, I don't particularly mind Sayurida eating the pin here, because, of course, Megan Bain is going to have to be made to look strong ahead of um, the Dream Queendom show. That, I imagine, when we do our preview, the Megan Bain versus Julia match is going to be one that we both agree on pretty much straight away. I don't think there's going to be much umming and ahhing there. But apart from the match. What did you think about the Hannon and Maysera stuff? Yeah, I mean, not only is Hannon always smiley and whatnot, but May as well. You know, she comes ring with the balloons and has love on her tape. So you have probably two of like the nicest human beings I've ever seen into a pro wrestling match that are both fantastic. So now you're turning it up and giving it like a proper storyline instead of like, hey, we're just going to wrestle to see who's better, which I'm fine with. But unfortunately, Rob, a lot of these high-speed championship matches over the next few years are always going to be compared to Azumi and Starlight Kid. 
And that's unfair, but also that's that's the benchmark. Let's call it like we see it. No disrespect to any of the other high-speed championship matches before them or whatever. It's always going to be compared to a zooming star-like kid. And we know this is this is eventually going to go to a high-speed championship match. That's where this is leading to. But now we kind of have, which is pretty much the third most important belt in Star, the fourth. I'm going to say the tag belts are the third most because um, I'm just a huge fan of tag wrestling. Plus, they're on Utami and Saya. But you have you kind of your, your fourth biggest belt in the company. And now we're kind of putting a little bit of sting on it. We're probably, we're getting a little bit more seasoning on something that we're going to see. We've seen Starlight can have a great reign with, with that belt. We've seen Natsupoi. We've seen Azumi, but never like a real feud. It was just like, okay, who's next? And then you would sit up a little bit more when it was Starlight Kid versus Zumi because they are eternal foes. But now we're getting a little blood boiling here, you know, between Hana and, and Maysara. And again, considering the fact that these two, that's kind of not in their realm of of things they just seem very happy go lucky so this is going to be super exciting even to the point where mariah may who again is on awtv she um someone posted a clip and tagged her in it of the two of them going at each other and she retweeted the clip on twitter and said i'm going to be i, I need to book uh, the, the next flight out to japan because obviously hanan was her protege mm-hmm. when they did the, uh, the the tag thing and they switched clothes and obviously may sarah uh it's it's very well documented that she has done nothing but annoy the crap out of mariah may mm-hmm. on the tour bus and so i thought it was really cool that we have an AEW wrestler that's retweeting some of this stuff out that's helping get this feud a little bit more prominence and again, we talked about a little bit ago, why wouldn't you put this match on one of the pay-per-views, either the third or the fourth? Maybe they're going to give this one more time to build up, and then we get this match either at a Corican or we get it on the uh, the Supreme Fight anniversary show. I don't know, but uh, I also agree with you 100%. When they're doing the pull-apart, Hazuki is just sitting on the apron, and finally after, it's like, okay, I've seen enough. Enough's enough. She pulls uh, Hanan off, uh, off May, and then puts her arm around her like, I'm proud of you but not yet. Like, okay, you can't, don't go full Hazuki mode just yet. Wait to the championship match. But yeah, just another reason why I just absolutely love Hazuki. It's like, okay, here's my smiling protege now getting a little bit violent on the girl that comes in jumping and skipping and giving balloons. <laughs> Uh, what else should people be checking out on this card then, Matt? Obviously, Micah and Yunamizumori, the main event. What else should people be checking out? Uh, and then the uh, Downs on Monday versus God's Eye. You have Julian Sherry starting the match out, which I thought was always good. You know you're never going to get the in these multi-person matches. You're not going to get the full-blown uh, match that we saw at the end of 2022 or their phenomenal underrated classic from World Climax, which, by the way, is free on YouTube. Kudos to Star on putting four big shows free on YouTube ahead mm-hmm. of Dream Queendom. But the Downs on Mondo versus God's Eye six-person match was great. And uh, anytime, I thought it was really cool that the bell rings for the time limit draw as Mariah is just getting ready to run for the running lariat and still thinks, you know what? The heck with it. I'm already getting ready to run. Even though the bell rang, I'm still going to hit Sakurai with this brutal lariat. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Matt, all that energy's got to go somewhere. Like, she's built it up and built it up and built it up. She's ready to go. She's It's got to go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Um, Let's move on then to the second and final show we're going to be looking at today, which is New Blood 12. Um, this was on Christmas Day from the Shinagawa into City Hall in Tokyo, Japan. 
in front of 254 people. Interesting little stat, Stardom have run this venue for New Blood shows seven times. Um, this is the lowest attendance, and it's the first to dip below 300. I'm not overly concerned about that. After all, it is Christmas Day. Um, I don't know, and I, this is extremely ignorant of me. I apologize. I don't know how popular or how sort of observed Christmas is in Japan, so where I'm not sure how much of a an impact that will have had on this. So uh, people will have to let me know. But anyway, that is the lowest Funny, what, attendance. What, what, what was the attendance? I'm sorry. 254. Thank you, sir. Um, so we had two of our brand new rookies debuting. Uh, we opened with a singles match, Sayaka Matani defeating Sayaka Karara in 8 minutes and 27 seconds with the Star Crusher. Um, Suri then defeated Rana Yagami in 9 minutes and 45 seconds with the Suzaku. Uh, Meisera defeated Hina in 7 minutes and 55 seconds with the Shooting Star. Uh, Chanyota did, in fact, make it onto the card. She tagged with Mei Sakurai, defeating the Yungo Edatai team of Rina and Ruaka in 8 minutes and 3 seconds. Mei Sakurai getting the pinfall victory over Ruaka uh, with the Mai Pan roll. Um, in the semi-main event, the rather unusual team of Haruka Umasaki and Miyu Amasaki defeated the team of Hanako and Yuzuki in 10 minutes and 26 seconds. Miyu Amasaki getting the pinfall over Yuzuki with the Tenzai. And then in our main event, New Blood Tag Team Championships on the line. Wingori, the champions, the second champions, making their first successful title defense over the Raiwa Tokyo Towers of Amisori and Lady C. Hannon pinning Lady C with the Hannon special in 13 minutes and three seconds. So obviously the first big thing we need to talk about, Matt, is the two rookies, Sayaka Karura, who took on Sayaka Matani and Rana Yagami, um, who took on Suri. First thing I want to say is that Rana Yagami is already living the stardom gimmick. Um, she knows that injuries are a big thing, so she's already taping up her back, um, which I thought was quite impressive, having never had a professional match um, and already is covered in tape so uh, she knows what it's all about in stardom clearly but in all seriousness Yagami massively impressed me here and you know it's not that Karara didn't um, but for me and this is going to sound a little bit strange Karara had your typical rookie match and what I mean by that is there are little hope spots, you know, a couple of drop kicks, a um, couple of submissions, a couple of, you know, cheeky roll-ups, and then the more experienced competitor wins with, you know, emphatic finalism. And that's what Sayak Amatani did with the Star Crusher. And Karara did all of those things that I've just said. You know, she looked good doing them, absolutely. You know, even looking to drop kick Sayak Amatani's knee out from underneath her. But it was your stereotypical rookie match. The reason I was so impressed with Rani Yagami is that she offered something completely different. Rather than just going through the rookie playbook, she went at Suri and tried to wrestle Suri in sort of a Suri-style match. She tried to wrestle her. And yeah, she was never going to beat Suri. She even acknowledged that, I think, at the press conference. Yeah, I'm not going to beat Suri, but I might as well go in at the deep end, which is a fantastic way of saying things. Um, but I got the same 
level of excitement for the future watching Rani Yagami as I did for Yuzuki. Those two rookies in particular look very, very exciting prospects to the future. And I don't know if that's the same for you. I know that obviously, Matt, having been in the ring and done it for years, you look at different things than I do. But for me, the fact that Yagami attacked this match in a completely unique way showed me that she gets pro wrestling. I think what Stardom should have done, especially on Christmas, was completely throw everybody out of the water and have Sai and Shuri Falls here. I'm just totally <laughs> kidding. Can you imagine? It is Christmas, yeah. man. It is Christmas. <laughs> you have two of the best champions in all of wrestling back in 2022, just eat, eating Finn Falls in front of 250 people. Um, no, but Sayaka was very impressive. She had, I think they did a great job matching these rookies up against people that they wrestle similar similar styles. Absolutely. I saw she did work. She did she did work a very Sayakamatani style uh, with the explosiveness. Um, so I thought that was really good. Say did a great job taking care of her. Uh, Sayaka does a great job with ring positioning. That's something I always look for. There's wrestlers that I know that are wrestling three or four years that can't get ring positioning down. That takes a long time. It takes a lot of reps. And kudos to the training staff over um, over uh, at the Stardom Dojo. I believe Hazuki is one of the trainers. I know Milano Collection AT, he was kind of filing his way in and out. And I've actually trained with Milano Collection uh, when he used to come into Takara and spend a little bit of time in the ring with them. And his ring positioning is absolutely huge. And ring positioning and timing are two little things that can make or break your match. So that's what Stardom does. I noticed with all these new rookies, with Aya Sakura, who I hope comes back soon, Hanako with Yuzuki, with Rana, and with Sayaka, is that they're all their timing and ring positioning is like three, four years ahead of where it really should be. So excellent stuff from both these two rookies. But yeah, Rana Yugami really stood out for me as far as the two rookies. And I think Shiri did a great job letting her take. She ate a lot of kicks in this match for somebody that's a legit badass and top of the car that Shiri is that she let Rana throw a lot of those mid kicks. And a lot of them were really good. Now, were they Shiri Momo Watanabe level? No, nobody really is. But, like, for somebody who has the first match, the placement of the kicks, the psychology of the kicks, how it led into certain things, again, I'm completely blown away. And I say this at nauseum. This is the best roster in all of wrestling by a country mile. And we have seen wrestlers improve so much that are lower-tier wrestlers. Literally, again, Mina Shirakawa is always the example. Back in the spring of 2022, she was a mid-card wrestler at best. A year later, she is a constant main eventer. We've seen the improvement of Saida with Hana with Tekla, uh, we seen, we're we seeing with Miyu Amasaki, so on and so forth, because they're getting reps. They're in the rings with the Mayus, with the Utamis, with the Hazukis, with the Julias, so on and so forth. They're getting these reps, being in the ring with the best wrestlers in the world that want to see the youth improve. It's not some of these old timers that you hear stories about in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, where it's just like, ah, maybe I'll teach them something, maybe I won't, where the stardom roster wants to see this company flourish. And they're helping bringing up the younger wrestlers, which I absolutely love. You know, Terry Funk always said it. I need to get the younger generation ready for it to be a business, whether I'm leaving the business in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. That's your job as a vet, a vet that's a main eventer, drawing money. It's to help the younger generation to keep pro wrestling healthy. And that's what the starting roster does. And again, a loaded roster. If you would have told me this time last year, yeah, Matt, there's going to be five rookies that are going to join this loaded roster. I'm like, do we really need it? Sure, why not? Because they all have potential. And uh, I'm really excited for the potential. I forget how the brackets look on the third, 
but I, I really excited. I think they're probably gonna do Hanako. Yeah, because I think Yuzuki's wrestling Rana on the third, and it's probably gonna be Hanako because she's been there the longest versus Yuzuki. But we get a uh, Rana versus Yuzuki match with the two of them having a combined maybe twenty five matches together. It's gonna blow everybody's expectations out of the water, and I'm just so excited for this. I'm so excited to see when we talk about the five star. I don't think either of these wrestlers are gonna be in the five star next year, but come five star season just to see where they're going to be at in their careers. I'm super excited to uh, to see where the, to, to uh, see their progression. It's no wonder they pull back the Rookie of Stardom tournament because I would argue that this is one of the best set of rookies that Stardom have had. You know, you look at, again, Rani Ugami for me instantly just looked like she got it, whether it's the fact that her gear just looked, you know, I've never seen someone and gone instantly, right, well, they're going to go into uh, God's Eye, aren't they? You know, immediately she'd even got the gear down um yuzuki immediately thought queen's quest um but both women were so good straight away you know i constantly go back to you can always tell when someone is running lines and those two it just seemed second nature and you know credit to sayaka as well i'm you know not giving her the credit she deserves she had a very good match with sayaka matani but for me she didn't quite stand out as much as Rana did but if you put those three together with Hanako you've actually got four very very promising rookies there and if you think that you know we could potentially in the next two three years and Matt cover your ears lose Mayu Iwatani we could lose Tam Nakano you know (laughs) I know I'm sorry man Uh, I'm sitting down but somehow I fell even though I was sitting (laughs) (laughs) you know Julia is now 30. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, they're they're done. Obviously not. You know, people have proved again and again and again they can wrestle until they're 40, 45. But, you know, do they want to? I know that Mayu has talked to retirement. I know that Tam has talked to retirement. You need to prepare for the future. And these rookies look good. Yes, you're absolutely right. They're not going to be in the five-star next year. Um, the chances are they're not going to be in the five-star for the next two years, three years. But if they can hone their craft, you are looking absolutely at stars of the future, especially Yuzuki, who is, I've seen as having nothing but universal praise for the way that she has looked. And for me, Rani Agami looked really, really good. She's got God's eyes like, written all over her, not physically. I think if you were under the wing of Suri, yeah, she's probably going to go to God's Eye and be the pinfall eater. Yes, I, I'm 100% expecting that. But to be under the tutelage of Suri, what the hardest striker in stardom, you know, the person who is, you know, advocating all these UWFI matches and things like that, if you can learn from her, she is going to be a talent. I guarantee it. Um, however, it's not just... Look- Real quickly, Bob, I just want to throw this in because I forgot to throw it in the beginning. We have this rookie uh, tournament, which we haven't seen in years. Mm-hmm. Former winners of this tournament are Hazuki, Saya Kamatani, and Utami Hayashista. They've all done pretty well for themselves, my friend. Yeah, you know, they're, they're names, <laughs> aren't they? They're names. Um, the only one not to win a singles title, by the way, 
Oh, no, no, she did win the high-speed title. I was going to do a whole sob story for Hazuki, oh, but she won the high-speed title. It's fine. She's going to win. She's going to win one in 2024, brother. I feel it. She has to. She has to. I'm not going to stop bringing it up. Um, but no, very, very good first outing for these young rookies. And honestly, I know that I started this segment by saying that, oh, this is the lowest new blood attendance in Shinagawa into City Hall. And yeah, it is. There's, there's no getting around that. However, I think these new blood shows were one of the best things to come out of this year. And I know they started in 2022 before I get any messages. However, I feel like they've really upped their, their output over this year. You know, we had the whole story with Wakasukiyama earlier in the year. And now we're getting the rookies who are having more and more matches. We're getting more people like Hina getting more singles matches. It's doing exactly what it was set out to do. And that's why I like these new blood shows. You know, they're bog basic, but they give more experience to those younger wrestlers. You know, Mayu Iwatani's not going to turn up on one of the... Or she's not going to turn up on every single one. You've had Shiori on this one. You've had Saya Kamatani. But Shiori's not been on every single one. I think this might be Shiori's first New Blood show. I think it's Saya Kamatani's second. The fact that they aren't focusing on those bigger stars, aren't, you know, sort of rallying around them as yardsticks to build the card around, it does help your Sayuridas, your Hanans, your Amisori, who suddenly feel like bigger stars. And that, if anywhere, is measured in two other matches on this card, the Meisera versus Hina match, which I thoroughly enjoyed, not only because Meisera, again, is just one of my favorite people to watch on the Stardom roster at the moment, but also because Hina looked great as well, who, again, is so unfortunately in the same family as Rina and Hannon that she often gets forget forgotten about. And it's not fair because she is a very, very good wrestler, as emphasized by this match with Maysera and that main event. The New Blood Tag Team title match was fantastic. Fantastic breakout performance for Lady C, who I thought was brilliant throughout. Amisori looked great. Her exchanges with Sairida, her power exchanges looked really, really good. Hannon seems to have digivolved into this like proper icon. I don't know whether it's the coat that she came out in or what. She looked fantastic. This card, Matt, I think it was just over an hour and 50 minutes. It's total runtime. And there was not one second of wasted motion. Not one match went too long. And not one match felt like it didn't belong on this card. The only thing that I would say I would have liked to have seen was a Future of Stardom title defense. But you can't have everything. What did you think of this card as a whole? No, I thought it was really good. You know, we talked about the two rookies. You mentioned uh, my favorite match was probably the same as yours, that new blood tag title match. I knew it was going to be good, but boy, howdy, that was absolutely fantastic. Everybody really leveled up their game in that match. But my second favorite match was uh, May Sarah versus Hina. You know, you mentioned just a moment ago, partner, poor Hina. She's in the same family as Rena and Hanan. 
But that's not her biggest problem. Her biggest problem is she's in the same faction as Azumi, Yutami, Hayashi, and now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, Lady C, especially after this main event, was like, "Yeah, I belong in some of these main events." So it's like, you know, I mean, Yamasaki's ever improving, and I mentioned a few minutes ago about how much this roster is constantly improving. Hina's another one. I mean, I could see Hina dethroning Rina for the future Stardom Championship, and her getting a little bit of a run because Hina is the one that's she's another one that's improving, uh, showing and show out. So, uh, and and her and May had really really good chemistry. I thought it was really funny that after Rina and Ruaka uh, lost to Chanyona and uh, my Sakurai, they did the Oedotai thing, and as always, say Oedotai has got Oedotai. So the match gets over. Uh, they lost. They have Chen Yoda and Sapphire getting their hand raised. And then Reed and Ruwaka just walk over to them, kick them, and then run out of the ring. I just thought that was something like that. That was such a, sh- a, a, a crappy heel thing to do, but perfect for the uh, for the, the characters that Reed and Ruwaka are. I thought Haruma y- Yumasaki, who we don't really get to see that much. Obviously, the new blood stuff, she's a- as that karma gimmick, something that they tried uh didn't hit as well she's phenomenal in the ring the character you know we kind of joked fun was very much uh you know 1998 came with the voice box <laughs> but it was great to see her you know on this card uh and obviously weird team with uh miyu amasaki but against yuzuki and hanako you know the two rookies i thought the match was really good and haruka yamasaki really presented herself like a star not like she wasn't before but even bigger she seemed more comfortable she seemed have she had like a little bit more lack of a better term or around her like from the opening as soon as she was in the as soon as she started the match out it seemed like everything she do meant something so that's haruka yomasaki is another one that i would like to see stardom very much like the inaba sisters and sayoriano maybe sign up to a full-time contract in 2024 because i thought she was great here and uh, yeah, I know when we did our roundtable with Scott, we talked about Sayaka Matani's uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship run and some of the lower tier matches that she had. And we, we mentioned the one of Haruma Yamasaki. If you go back and watch, it's actually a really, really good match. It's just the fact that Saya's high-end matches were some of the best in all of wrestling for that two-year period. So uh, I thought oh, Yamasaki, I thought was great here. Hope to see her back in Stardom, especially wrestling up against maybe against a Hazuki, a Han, and you know, a Mayu, somewhere like that. I thought she was great. But, Rob, let's talk about this main event. First of all, I know I don't know if there's any two bigger fans than Wingori than me and you. Obviously, we're all about push push Hanan, push Saida. Don't beat Saida every show. Please don't. So they come out in coats. And then was that swords that they had? <laughs> Did it, I get that right? It looked like them, yes. They had new... <laughs> again, it's that whole Digivolt. Like, we saw it with the new eras at um, All-Star Grand Queendom where the long hair and the robes instantly like, oh my God, they feel like stars. Suddenly, Hanan and Sayurida are coming out with robes and swords and you're like, oh my God, they feel like stars. Ironically. When they're... Uh-huh, I see what you did there. Whether you meant it or not, I'm going to say you did because you're a genius, sir. <laughs> Call Lanny Papo, throwing the Frisbees out in the crowd. Anywho, but yeah, I thought this match was great. I thought Ami Sori... The back and forth, the chop exchanges with Saeed. We knew we were going to get where it's like four chops, right, switch, four chops, right, switch. And I'm like, I could watch that all day. And then the, the lariats. And then Lady C decided like, okay, between the lariats, Saeed's top rope shoulder tackle, the clothesline are the um, chops. Lady C decided that her running big boot would be the most brutal move in this match because she kept doing it over and over again. Not was they kept doing it, but she did it the right time in the right place. Like any time that the Tokyo Towers got in trouble. She would come in and instantly, very much like Mayu super kick, turn a defensive move into an offensive move. And I thought as much as I love Hana, much as I love Saida, yes, Ami Sori, it looks like she's getting pushed up the card, especially what we saw from the uh, last Corkin show. Not the 
not the Christmas Corkin show, but the one that had the uh, the tournament for the uh, for the red belt decisive match that they're pushing uh, pushing Ami Sori up the card and rightfully so. I thought Lady C was the MVP of this match. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, Han and Saida was great. Ami Sori was great. Han and Saida as a teamwork it gets better and better and better. And I like the fact that they're the new blood tag champs because when they have matches as Wingori and Stardom proper, they're only getting like seven or eight minutes. And it's a great seven or eight minutes. A lot of time it's them kind of eating a fall, especially if it gets like it's a Meltier or, a, you know, a, a Micah and a, and a Julian style match. It's going to be a great match, but they're going to pretty much eat the falls where we've seen when they won the New Blood, New Blood Tag Team Championships uh, in that three-way. They got a lot of time, were able to tell their story, and that's what they were able to do here. These two are fantastic together. And if we don't get a Mayu and Hanan, uh, you know, tag run or a shot at the tag belt somewhere, I would love to see Sai and Hana get a really proper long match with Aphrodite, with Meltier. Heck, do a little mini Stars Civil War with Saida and uh, Hanan versus uh, Kagama when she comes back and Hazuki as FWC. Because stardom, this roster is so loaded that when you put certain tags, tag teams together, they just work. And Wing Glory for me, brother, just works. I thought this was absolutely terrific. And if you're only going to watch one match from this show, Definitely watch this one because this was great. And again, maybe it's my Queen's Quest bias coming out of this, but it's at a point where you can plug Lady C in some of these main events. I'm not saying a pay-per-view main event, a New Blood main event, a main event and a multi-person match with Queen's Quest against whoever on one of these quote-unquote house shows. And it's going to work because Lady C is just absolutely fantastic. And she's coming in to these matches with a lot more uh, viciousness, which works perfect for where her spot is uh, with Queen's Quest, my friend. Love this match. I gave it four stars. My second favorite match from these two shows we just reviewed. Yeah, the exact same gave it four stars. I think, Sayo, you, you hit the nail on the head with the Wingori thing. I mean, they just accent each other so well. And I think the fact that, Sayurida and Amisori are so similar and they were able to have those powerful brawls and so that's what you expected it allowed Hannon and Lady C to do other things in the ring and that worked really well as well. Chanyota and Mei Sakurai then came out and declared themselves the new challengers for the New Blood tag team titles. I'm not entirely sure when New Blood 13 actually is. Um, I should have done my research. I apologize. I don't think it's been announced yet, um, but I could be wrong. We will see. But is that something that excites you? And, you know, I feel like I'm stupid to ask, but I'm assuming that we both think if that is the next challenge, Wingori are going to retain. Yeah, I think it's just going to be another one to... um to kind of just kind of pad the title reign for them. And another one that's going to be like, oh, we get a Wing Glory New Blood Championship match on this free YouTube live stream show. Yes, Stardom, we will absolutely take that. And you kind of wondered maybe, now, Rob, in your opinion, mm-hmm. your expert opinion, so you're very smart, do you think that this was on the, the docket the whole entire time, or was this kind of a makeup for booking Chan Yoda and then forgetting to book her? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, this did cross my mind, I must admit. Um <laughs> I, of course it did. <laughs> I think they were always going to give May Sakurai something to do. Whether that was always going to be with Chanyota, I don't know. <laughs> but it is. They work really well as a team, Chanyota and May Sakurai. So I'm certainly not going to begrudge them the next championship reign. I think Chanyota will probably end up doing, uh, will probably end up, sorry, eating the pinfall. However, her versus Sayurida in some sort of pose off. 
absolutely fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. Let's get the body of stardom against Chan Yota. Um, let's move on then, Matt, because obviously, I don't know if people know this, but stardom's last show of the year is coming up. Dream Queendom Sumo Hall, 29th of December. You can go and purchase it now. The link is up at We Are Stardom. Go and purchase it. And you will notice, of course, that because the show is on Friday the 29th, and we're recording this on the 27th, that we've dropped it early because we want you to be able to listen to it before the pay-per-view. So, you are welcome. Um, also, in other news, and very, very excitingly, myself and Mr. Matt Turner will be live on Friday, the 29th of um, December. Sorry, I'm just trying to work out the times for everyone. So we will be doing our live stream results episode on Friday. It is going to be at 8.15 GMT, or British time, uh, 3.15 Eastern Standard Time. These are all PM, obviously, we're not maniacs. Um, 12.15 PM Pacific Time and 2.15 PM Central Time. Come and join us on YouTube, um, over on Twitter, or indeed on Facebook. We will be streaming to all of them. You can come and join us, watch us live, ask us questions, and just basically join us as we break down what is undoubtedly going to be a very, very exciting pay-per-view. Come and join us. So that is going to be on the 29th of December. So make sure you've watched the pay-per-view because obviously with it being a pay-per-view review, there will be spoilers. So please come and join us. However, Matt, it's time to break down this Dream Queendom card. So just to remind everyone of the full card for Sumo Hall. We have got Hina and Lady C versus Yuna Mizumori and Saki versus Tekla and Mei Sakurai versus Amisori and Saki Kashima in a four-way tag battle. Um, we have got Zumi and 7-Up, Nanai Takahashi and Yu, taking on Mei Seira, Suri and Mina Shirakawa. Mayu Iwatani returns to action in a eight-woman tag. The stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Hanan and Hazuki and Saeeda taking on the Iweratai team of Starlight Kid, Rina, Fukikin Death and Ruaka. We've then got four title matches. The New Japan Strong Women's Championship is on the line. Julia taking on Megan Bain. Goddess of Stardom Championships, Utami Hayashita and Saya Kamatani Aphrodite, the champions, taking on Oedetai XL, Momo Watanabe, and Natsuka Tora. Wonder of Stardom Championship semi-main event, Mirai the champion looking for her fourth successful title defense against Sayori and No, of course, they have already um, fought a fantastic 30-minute time limit draw at Gold Rush. Uh, so they're running that back. And then a new World of Stardom champion will be crowned. Vacant World of Stardom Championship on the line. The five-star Grand Prix 2023 winner, Suzu Suzuki, taking on Micah. Um, so, Matt, let's have a look at these matches. We start with that four-way tag. Hina and Lady C, Yuna Mizumori and Saki, Tekla and Mei Sakurai, Amisori and Saki Kashima. Who is walking away the victor of that? And will it have any bearing later on in the card? Rob, you know, I hate to uh, correct you, sir, but you forgot one match. 
You forgot the match that was just announced about a week ago. It's probably going to be on the pre-show of Miyu Amasaki, Azuka Inaba, Yuzuki versus Hanako, Rana Yugami, and Sayaka Kurora. You are absolutely right. Yes, I did forget that. Um, but I don't know why it's not on my notes. I probably just didn't update them. But yes, that is also on the undercard. You just want to see if I was paying attention, sir. That's what it was. Any good teacher, as you are, sir, that's what you want to do. You want to make sure your craziest student was paying attention. Always. <laughs> Always. Um, I totally expect Azusa Inaba to get the to get the fall here. That's kind of the story here going on. Um, is the fact that I wish they would have maybe mixed this up a little bit. No disrespect to Hanako, uh, Rana, and Sayaka, but I think if you were like to list these, who are the best workers in the match? I think Azusa's one, Miyu's two, and uh, Yuzuki's three. Kind of wish they would have mixed this up a little bit. But regardless, I see Azuka getting the uh, pinfall here, and hopefully something happens with her and her sister Tomoka in the future. What do you say there, sir? I am so excited that Azusa Inaba's back on this card. She's so damn good. So damn good. I mean, they're going to pick up the victory, obviously, um, because they're taking on effectively three rookies. But um, as for who gets the pin, I don't know. Um, but any excuse to watch the Inaba sisters, I am more than happy about that. Um, now we move on to that four-way <laughs> four tag. Um, personally, at the moment, stardom seemed very set on Mei Sakurai having her shtick at the end of a match. I would argue they are possibly the strongest team in this match, arguably, and I think the chances are it's going to be Tekla and Mei Sakurai getting the win. And I think it's probably going to be Mei Sakurai rolling up someone like a Hina or a Lady C with the Maipan roll and then doing her shtick um, to send the Sumo Hall crowd home happy. Because after all, that's what, what they are there for. They're not there for no <laughs> World of Stardom Championship or anything like that. They're there to be insulted by her ladyship. Um, and fair play to them. Um, but in all seriousness, I think Tekla and Mei Sakurai are going to win. It wouldn't surprise me, you know, if Ami Sori were to pin Mei Sakurai and that way set up a God's Eye challenge for the um, artist of stardom belts. But I would argue, with it being so low on the card, the chances are they just want Mei to have a chance to uh, do her shtick. What do you think? Well, that's like, um, uh, me, me going into this show, this just because you don't, you just don't know. Uh, first of all, I'm super excited that Saki's back. I'm a huge fan of Saki. And uh, however, my pick going into this show before we hit the record button, and literally just up until about a minute ago, because that's a very, very great statement you made, my friend. So, I mean, yeah, they want uh, May Sakurai to maybe do her stick. They're really starting to push Tekla up the card as rightfully so they should. Her and Sakurai getting a win here would really mean a lot for them and really put a little bit more shine on two-thirds of the artists of stardom champions. So you have a really good point here, but I'm going to stick with my original pick, which is uh, Saki Kashima and Ami Sori. Saki just came back from injury. She's got the new gear. Everybody loves her. Ami Sori is pretty much probably the biggest star in this match. No disrespect to the other seven competitors because they're all fantastic, but just the way that they've been pushing Ami. Ultimately, this might be a match that gets lost in the shuffle, especially when we go on to the next match up into the main event. And then again, we have the two uh, pay-per-views on the third and fourth as well. It's a match I don't know if a lot of people are going to, you know, after the fourth are going to remember. So it could be a part where it's just like, ah, we got the Sakurai uh, shtick at the end. But I'm going to stick with uh, Ami Sori and Saki Kashima getting the win here. 
Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's going to be hugely impactful on the rest of the card, to be perfectly honest. Um, Azumi Yu and Nanai Takahashi taking on Meisera, Siori, and Mina Shirakawa. Um, I mentioned the last time we spoke about Mina in any detail that she has been possibly one of the biggest sort of... <sighs> sort of casualties of the injury crisis because unfortunately she has no one to tag with so the undercard matches on road two shows she's sort of been forced to do opening singles matches or throwaway three-way matches or whatever she's still playing 110 percent and she's still fantastic but she sort of has lost a little bit of focus which is a shame because when you think back to when she won the belts the white belt at um at the Yokohama Arena back in April, people thought that she was due a big, long run and, you know, we'd be seeing a fantastic defence at Sumo Hall and instead she's on an undercard. Same with Suri, really. Um, I would love to say that Meisera, Suri and Mina Shirakawa are going to win this match. However, we know for a fact that Nanai Takahashi ain't taking the pinfall. We know that Yu is not taking the pinfall. Which leaves Azumi, um, which it just seems so unfair that Azumi is going to be there to take the pinfall if Meisei Rasuri and Mina Shirakawa are there to take the win. I mean, don't get me wrong, Suri versus Nanai Takahashi is going to be very exciting. You completely no selling Suri strikes is going to be a thing. Um, you know, the hardest striker in stardom, but there we are. Um, that's my stick. Okay, brother. Go ahead, man. I mean, it, 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 it does wind me up. But in all seriousness, Nanai Takashi versus Suri, I'm very excited for. We get another high-speed um, confrontation between Azumi and Meisera. They are always fantastic. I'm looking forward to Mina Shirakawa and Nanai Takashi as well, just to see how they sort of complement each other. You, I can take or leave. It depends. If she's, you know, if it's just going to be a typical stand there, absorb punishments then i'm not fussed if she's there to show showcase others um you know the likes of mina shirakawa then i'm more than happy for it to be there but otherwise this is probably the match i'm least excited for if i'm being perfectly honest i'm gonna go meisei rasuri and mina shirakawa i would like to see i mean obviously suri is in a big title match a couple of days later i would argue it's probably going to be suri submitting azumi i would argue matt I'm actually uh, going to disagree with you on one point. I'm really excited for this match because as much as we give kind of give Nanai and you, we kind of laugh. They're great at seven up as a tag team. They are really, really good. They are. Then you have a zoom. Then you have a zoomy on that team. And then you have three protected wrestlers with May Sarah, who's the high speed champion. Mina Shirakawa is very well protected and a phenomenal wrestler. And Shuri, who's obviously going to, you know, these string of shows is on the final match. And you're trying to sell 3000 tickets to really, if you look at it, take a step back. These are six protected wrestlers. I think it's going to be a fantastic match. There's no reason why team Shiri should not get the win pair, especially with maybe Shiri hitting a whole bunch of strikes. And then Mina following up with one of her big strikes. You know, when we interviewed Jesse uh, a few months ago, Jesse from uh, club Venus, well, formerly club Venus, that uh, she mentioned that Shiri was the hardest hitter, but Mina Shirakawa is not too far behind. And we've seen Mina's strikes just really evolve over the last 12, 14 months. So there's no reason why team Shiri should not get the win win here. But the fact that 7-Up are so well-protected and the fact that they're not contracted stardom wrestlers and they pop in and out all the time and they're not eating a pinfall here or there really kind of scratches my head at it. Um, you mentioned, obviously, Azumi and Mace are going to have fantastic stuff. Don't forget the combination of Azumi and Shuri is really, really good. 
really really good stuff there and then yeah we're gonna we, we make we do kind of poke fun that use lack of selling especially some of these bigger wrestlers when it comes to stardom is very very frustrating however the one thing i've noticed that when she's in the ring with shuri that she got no problem selling buddy so i don't think that's going to be much of a problem i'm interested to see mina shurikawa who's a big hitter to see where when she's throwing these strikes at you if it comes down to that they may leave the, them out of the ring uh again because you don't know how much time it's going to have what's going to materialize between them but i'm going to say this this is kind of going to kind of be my far out uh prediction here i'm gonna say this is one's going to go to the time limit drop you got 15 minutes I knew you, got you six, were gonna say it i knew you were gonna say it you're got you got 15 minutes just i'm assuming that's what the time limit is you have six really great wrestlers and you have six wrestlers that are pretty well protected in stardom. I think they're just going to say, you know what? It's an undercard match. It's got, we got six great wrestlers on paper, two former world champions, uh, former, uh, two former high speed, well, current high speed champion, former high speed champion, former goddess champion, uh, former uh, wonder stardom champion. You may, let's just push this 15 minutes, go out there and have a banger, you know, and hit hard and nobody get hurt. So my prediction to kind of be a cop out bloody, I'm going to say time limit drop. If you're saying I have to pick a winner, I'm going to say Mina Shirakawa pins you. There it is. Boom. I haven't even had a beer yet. You think that Mina Shirakawa is mm. going to pin you. That's that's what you think is going to happen. Yeah? That's that's how, Well, I'm going my number one prediction is time limit drop. But if you're saying, Matt, I need a winner, you're booking this. My booking decision is right. Mina Shirakawa pins you or makes her submit. That's what should happen. That's okay. Yeah. What should happen and what does happen? Two very different <laughs> things. Um, let's move on then to the Mayu Iwatani return match. Mayu, Hanan, Hazuki, and Sayurida versus the Awelatai team of Starlight Kid, Wiener, Fukin, Death, and Ruwaka. Rina, by the way, who is going to be the longest current reigning champion in stardom come the end of the year, irrelevant of what happens. Um, just thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Um, this. My prediction for this match changes significantly now that Starlight Kid is not the next person in line for the IWGP Women's Championship. Was Were Starlight Kid the one to take on Mayu at Tokyo Dome City Hall? Or whether Tab were winning this? Uh, that, that was my opinion. However, I think with Mayu returning, the state of her finger, which still is not right... She's currently on rehab with it. I mean, I know that, you know, we were talking about it only being a dislocation. It sounds like it's quite a nasty one. It's done loads of ligament damage and all sorts, and she had to reset. It sounds like quite a painful injury. Um, her coming back, her having a big title match um, at the Tokyo Dome City Hall, which is, you know, I've just had a quick look at the ticket sales. Tickets are selling well for that as well. Obviously, it's a big day, January 4th, as we know. I think Mayu's winning. I think Mayu is pinning probably Ruaka. Starlight Kid, I think, is certainly going to have a strong showing. She has to, because let's be perfectly honest, 2023 has been a year to forget for Starlight Kid. I think that's fair to say she had, you know, a five-star to forget and then ended up with an injury. She's not really been in any title pictures. This has to be the start of a better year for Starlight Kid. I perfectly understand that you can't push everyone at the same time that's absolutely fine starlight kid however i feel needs to be near the top of this card by next year by dream queendom 4 i want to see starlight kid pushing for a title so here i think my wibitani wins um you know 
big happy moment. She's back. She's the champion. Have her face off with Shuri at the end of the match. And then you go on your merry way to uh, the Tokyo Dome City Hall on the 4th. However, I think Starlight Kid has to have a good show in here. And, I, you know, she can't eat the pinfall. Don't let her eat the pinfall, Stardom. Let it be Fookie can death. Like, she's not even contracted. She's a clown. Pin the clown. Um, what about you, Matt? What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the next Stardom Cash shirt, pin the clown. It's going to be literally, <laughs> it's going to be a silhouette. Like, the, like, if you look at our logo now, where it's like not our faces, but it's us, it's going to be Rob with the microphone, with the, uh, the the headphones, and then Rob's silhouette face with the fucking death makeup saying pin the clown. <laughs> I think that would be a hot seller. Um, you mentioned you want to see Starlight Kid at the top of the card by the end of the year. I'm going to say the end, I want her by the end of the week. But anyhow, that's just me. Um, I made mention before about how Sayaka Matani, since she's been back, she really hasn't done any of the crazy high-flying moves. Even with Starlight Kid being back, and Rob, I could be wrong. I don't think she's done the Asai Moonsault since she's been back. The dive that her go-to dive in these multi-person matches over the past few months is just the top rope uh, plancha to the floor, which is still amazing. You just. Know, for, for the, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. But I think like, as far as like breath. I think, like, for, like, breathtaking moves, everything Starlight Kid does is great. Mm-hmm. Starlight Kid is in a completely different universe. But that Asai Moonsault, I haven't seen anything like anybody do that move as good since, like, Ultimo Dragon since, like, 95, 96. Like, her setup and the way she just, just hovers in air on the Asai Moonsault is great. And I would love to see her hit it here because you have seven people catching you. You know, you have up to seven people catching you. Again, I totally agree. If we thought we were going Starlight Kid versus Mayu, you can have Starlight Kid get the win here. And then that's the way to build her. Since we're not going there, the Stars team's going to win. Other than Starlight Kid, you have a whole bunch of pin eaters on that other side. You can have Rita eat a fall, even though she's the future Stardom champion. It could be Mayu, could be Hizuki, you know, no problem. You got uh, Ruaka and you have Fukin Death, like you said before. Pin the clown. I think it's going to be a Stars win here. I just hope, one, Starlight Kid does not eat the fall. And two, they do a great job getting Starlight Kid over in this match to launch her into what me and you both predict will be a phenomenal 2024 for her. But yeah, I'm agreeing with you and saying the Stars teams wins. And I'm super excited to see some Hazuki versus Starlight Kid violence because that's some really, really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Um, So we've then move on to the four title matches. So we start with the New Japan Strong Women's Championship match. Julia, the second champion looking for her seventh successful title defense against the challenger Megan Bain. These two went to a fantastic time limit draw a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, However, I would argue that this out of the four title matches is probably the easiest one to call. Um, Obviously, Julia, huge international star, even though AEW apparently don't think so, um, is over (laughs) wherever she goes. (laughs) Megan Bain is not a stardom contracted wrestler. She's not a New Japan contracted wrestler. I think it will be a great match. I think it will be a hard hitting match, especially if they do some of the stuff that they did in their 50 minute time limit draw. Obviously, this is going to be, I believe it's 60 minutes within being in New Japan or is it 30 minutes? It might be 30 minutes with it being strong. I can't remember. I know IWGP is 60. I think strong might be 30, but they've got a lot of time just to beat each other, which I love. And I think that's where Julia really thrives. Um, we saw it against like Willow Nightingale, for example, when she's got someone who is stronger than her, it makes her think outside the box. And I really like that about her dynamic with Megan Bain. However, 
ultimately Megan Bain's contract, I think, is running out by the end of January. I think will probably be the end of her run with Stardom. She's not dethroning Julia. She'll put on a fantastic performance. She is not beating Julia, though, Matt. Yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to be hard hitting. Uh, I totally agree with you that what you said about Julia. Julia is great everywhere. Whether she's wrestling somebody like a Shuri or Hazuki or Mirai, it's going to be Mayu. It's going to be a great match. And then we've seen her take, you know, a Han, and we've seen her take some of these rookies and shine them up and look really well. And then it's just and it's just another dynamic. We have somebody stronger than her, more physically opposing than than Julia and Megan Bain, where it's a completely different match than the other wrestlers that I made mention to. But it's Julia. She's being one of the best wrestlers in the world. Does a great job getting any match over. This is going to be no different. Um, my only thing is if Julia wins, which I think she's going to, I hope she gets like a decisive win. I hope it's not like with the Goddess Gate clutch. I hope it's either with a, like a submission, like the Stealth Viper uh, or the uh, the Bianca. Or I would really, I think a cool visual for this end of this match is for Julia to plant Megan Bain with the Northern Lights bomb. We've seen her do it before with a Micah a Himika, Willow Nightingale that you just mentioned before. I think that'd be a really cool visual to see Julie at the end of this match, whether it's probably going to go 13, 14, 15 minutes of an absolute war, putting the exclamation point on this match with the Northern Lights bomb in the middle of the ring. I thought that would be a great way to close this match. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to all the matches on the card. But yeah, this one is going to be hard-hitting. But yeah, probably the easiest match on this whole entire card to predict is a Julia uh, successful title defense. I would be very surprised if they give her a submission victory over Megan Bain. I wouldn't hate it, um, but you know Megan Bain is still going to be a stardom wrestler for a couple of shows after this. So maybe, maybe the Northern Lights bomb and the visual as well of Julia getting Megan Bain up for that Northern Lights bomb, I think, would be more impressive. However, again, and I say it quite a lot, the Stealth Viper is a criminally underused finish. So it would be great to see it. I just don't see it happening. Um, the goddess of stardom championships next the 30th champions Utami Hayashishita and Sayakamatani Aphrodite taking on the challenges Momo Watanabe and Natsukatora in Aphrodite's first title defense uh, having just said that uh, the strong open weight women's championship is probably the easiest match to predict I would argue this is probably second easiest Matt um, uh, Utami and Saya, big names just have come back from injury. Zayk Amtani especially has been out for a long time. Big names on the card. You want to rehabilitate those goddess titles after, you know, the unfortunate circumstances around his Sayori Poi. I think you have a definitive win here. Maybe with Zayk Amtani hitting the Phoenix Splash. Obviously, Sumo Hall, we've seen it hit the Phoenix Splash in Sumo Hall before. I see Aphrodite retaining. It being a fantastic, hard-hitting match. Awaretai XL, I'm sorry, I'm not winning this match. Time limit draw. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> every, every match goes with time limit draw. Even and then the championship is held up. <laughs> we, gotta, we might have to address that when we get to it. What, what, what if Susan might go to 30 minutes? What happens? Then Tam just takes the belt. Anywho, yeah, totally agree. They've done a again. I mentioned about an hour or so ago. They've done a great job building up uh Momo and Tora XL, especially Momo with her getting the fall over Izumi and Sayakamatani. And uh, it's just basically easy booking. You build up the heel team to, in these up-leading matches, beating the big babyface team. Not only that, but Momo 
after I think it was after she pinned Azumi, basically said, "Hey, Sai, I hope you. I'm going to injure you in this match on the 29th, and hope you never come back." It's like, oh, geez, <laughs> like Momo's been fired, so it's clearly setting up for Momo to take the pinfall here. And Stardom does a great job with these tag matches of having like a three or four minute sprint at the end. And I think reg- it doesn't matter if you give us Tora and Saya, you give us Utami and Tora, you give us Saya and Momo, whatever the sprint is, it's going to be great. We've seen Team XL use a lot of great double teams. I'm assuming we're going to see the pipe and the bat make an appearance in this match. As much as I don't like foreign objects to be part of my big championship matches, I think kind of almost needs to be because of how this match has been built up. Again, as long as they blind the ref, and Tora does a great job blinding the ref. She's almost as good as Kagetsu doing it. Uh, and she's way better at some of the other Oedo uh, Tai teams we've seen over the past few years that just for completely forget to blind the ref and the cheating happens in front of the ref. But that's not going to happen here. This might be one, this might be the best match of the show, if not probably maybe second or third. Uh, I can fully see these last four matches being easily over four stars. This one might be one of the best tag matches of the year we've seen through stardom, which is saying a lot considering the fact we've seen a lot of really good ones. And this is basically going to put a cap on the uh, the phenomenal story of a Wedo tie versus Queen's Quest. But yeah, I see an Utami Saikamatani successful title defense and then launching into 2024 with even more momentum. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I don't want to see Momo eat the pinfall. I really don't. I'd much ra- I know that it's not going to happen. She's a weather tie leader. But I'd much rather see Natsukatora eat the pinfall. Well, the- I see your point. I'm a huge Momo fan, but the storyline makes sense for Momo to eat the pinfall here. It does. It does. I completely agree. I just I want to see that continue. I want to see Momo be that consistent thorn in the side of Queen's Quest until, like, there is that moment, until there is that singles moment where a member of Queen's Quest, whether it's Azumi, whether it's Saya, whether it's Utami, is able to vanquish Momo properly. I just think that would be really cool. But that's that's probably wishful thinking. I'm fi- I am fine, really, if Momo eats the pinfall, especially as it's, you know, a big title match. I don't particularly mind that. It's absolutely fine. Um, we move on then to our semi-main event and Matt, good grief this is a tasty match and honestly, what started as being quite an easy match to determine, I thought I'm not too sure now I'm really not Um, we move to the Wonder of Stardom Championship match Uh, Mirai making her fourth fourth title defense of the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Sayori Anno and I was all in the camp of Mirai winning you know getting that Sayori Anno monkey off her back you know after not being able to beat her in in 30 minutes at, um, at Gold Rush However, now I'm not so sure, Matt. I'm really not. Would they put the belt on Sioriano? My only sort of thing is, I know she's not a contracted wrestler. I know she's not a contracted wrestler. There was a little bit of an issue with the goddess of stardom belts because she wasn't a contracted wrestler. But, but, could they? I'm, ah, hmm. Are you okay? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, like it. It's difficult because I know who I think is going to win the red belt. I, I'm pretty much decided on that. But this one, like, if Mariah was to drop it, 
would that be the worst thing in the world? Would you be up in arms going, I cannot believe Sioriano has dethroned Mirai? Or would you be like, actually, Sioriano is going to have some absolutely amazing matches. She's probably not going to have a really, really long reign with it, but actually she could have a really cool reign where she has banger matches against like, imagine like a Megan Bain versus Sioriano where she's just selling, ragdoll selling. It'd be incredible against Utami. Just basically being ragdolled around the ring and then hitting that amazing poter ring to win. It just it just looked really cool. However, having said that, I am going to play it safe and say Mirai's probably going to retain. What about you? This, as a Stardom fan, and somebody just wants to see the promotion move forward, this is a win-win for me because this is going to be absolutely fantastic. Probably the one little negative from the 30-minute time limit draw was you could have shaved four or five minutes off it and it would have went from four and a half to five stars, right? But obviously, they this this is the storyline they're going for. They kind of need to stretch it out a little bit and go to the 30-minute time limit. So you know you're going to have a great match. If Mariah retains, great. She's had a phenomenal run. We get to see more Mariah. Wonder of Stardom Championship matches, whether that's against a returning NASA point, whether it's against the loser of the match we're going to talk about next, you know, in the main event, which either way you go Suzu or Micah, you know, that's going to be a banger of a match, especially since the fact that Micah defeated uh, Mirai in the five star. Uh, Mina as well. However, Soriano wins this match, Rob. You know, we, you just made mention, brother. She's not a contracted wrestler. Rossi Ogawa, Rossi Vice as he is, the fashion icon that he is. <laughs> I don't think would put one of his top two championships on somebody that's not, not, that is not contracted. And what I mean by this is a win-win for me. If Sayori Anu wins this match, to me, that means that she has signed her contract or she has at least some sort of a handshake agreement where it's like, okay, you know, let me finish up these dates I have in January or February, and then I'm going to be with Stardom full-time. Um, so I think if Sayori wins that she has either signed her contract or she has intent to sign a full-time contract to stardom. And very much like this time last year where we're looking at this loaded roster, like, yeah, you know what? They need Suzu Suzuki full-time. And they locked her up, and I think, in the first quarter of, uh, of this past year. That's what very well, very well may happen with Sayori Hanu. However, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say that Mirai gets the win here, but I would not be shocked if they changed the championship here. Again, I, I think it should go Mirai to Mina and Mina to Hazuki. However, Sayori Anu is a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler. And again, if she does win this wipeout, that means she signed full-time. That means that uh, we finally have a little bit of the building blocks and the poor, poor beat-up faction that is Cosmic Angels. And then we'll get to see her team with Natsupoi some more when she comes back from injury and Tam as well. And Yuna Mizumori. I mentioned, you know, a little bit ago how much I really, really like that team. But uh, this one is another one that can absolutely not only steal the show, but steal the whole entire weekend from all the great wrestling shows going on in the world. Um, you know, not only the Stardom shows, obviously our Wrestle Kingdom. And on Saturday, we have a really good AEW pay-per-view as well, as well as a good All Japan show and Noah show. But regardless... I'm going to say Mariah wins and what is going to be another instant classic. Say Mariah wins. Do you think that Mariah then holds the belt to the Yokohama Buntai? Because for me, if she doesn't drop it here, she holds it till April, and that is where we have Mina Shirakawa dethrone her. That that would be my personal preference. What about you? Rob, that is phenomenal. That is great. And I'm not, uh, here's what I would do, though. You need something big to start the year off. You have Mina at the uh, anniversary show to throw Mirai. 
and then you have Tam and Mina for the white belt, Yokohama, and you have Mina get the win back on Tam. But either way works for me. I just want to see Mina with that white belt and then Suzuki. It wouldn't like Mina with Mina with a proper run. You know what I mean? I mean, this this is what I would do. I'd have Mirai hold it till Yokohama Buntai. Have Mina Shirakawa win the Cinderella. Have her dethrone Mirai in April. Have her hold it then till December, and then have Hazuki beat her in December. That is what I, I love would it. do. It makes sense. Mina gets the reign she didn't have the first time. She gets to win the Cinderella, which, you know, I think would suit Mina. You can see her in the Cinderella dress. I think she'd look incredible. You know, you can imagine her with the confetti coming down. I think it makes perfect sense. And then, you know, people want Hazuki to win this white belt. It's not just Western fans. You could hear it at um, the Triangle Derby finals where the crowd was so behind Hazuki that uber babyface Saya Kamatani was almost made heel by, you know, by default, simply because people were so behind Hazuki. I would, I would be amazed if Hazuki retires from stardom and she hasn't been the Y belt champion. We talk so much about completing the story, that has to happen. This way, you've given Mariah a decent run, she gets a decent tile defense at Supreme Fight, Give her a really good opponent, Supreme Fight, in the Edian Arena in Osaka. Then have Mina win the Cinderella Tournament. Mirai can have another title defense at um, the Cinderella Tournament final. Mina dethrones her at um, the Oklahoma Buntai, All-Star Grand Queendom. Then have Hazuki dethrone her at Dream Queendom. Mina gets that run she deserved. Should have had the first time, arguably. She gets it there. That's that's what I would do anyway. Um, that's, that's that's great, buddy. Because wrestling is wrestling is a business, and Mina Shirakawa in the Cinderella dress with the confetti going down. You can run that ad. You can sell that Polaroid. You can put that on the cover of Weekly Pro Wrestling. And you know what, brother? Cha Ching. I think both of our both of our were similar but different. We both have a Mina run and ending with Suzuki with the white belt. It, it's got to happen. And like, you're absolutely right. That image of Mina celebrating with the confetti coming down, it has got weekly pro wrestling written all over it, hasn't it? Um, we move on then to the main event, the World of Stardom Championship. Um, it's been vacant now for 37 days. Um, uh, it's been building and building and building. Micah versus Suzu Suzuki. Um Obviously, if Suzu Suzuki wins, she becomes the latest person to win the five-star Grand Prix and then go on to win the title, joining the likes of Utami, uh, Suri, and Julia. However, if she loses, she becomes the first person since Hannah Kimura to fail in her bid to capture the belt after winning the five-star Grand Prix. This is a tough one because... Suzu Suzuki is obviously who the company are pushing. She is a young sort of prospect in wrestling. She is a star of wrestling. She's 20 or 21. I think she's 20. I would put the belt on Micah. Now, the reason I say that is because you have got so much time with Suzu Suzuki. 
you could quite easily give Suzu Suzuki the belt in two years, in three years, and she could hold it for another two years. She's that good. But it just feels like Micah's time. Like, before... When Suzu won the five-star, it felt like Suzu's time. Going into Gold Rush, when she should have been taking on Tam, it felt like it could happen. It felt like the momentum was there. However, the longer this feud has gone on, the longer this sort of uncertainty surrounding the Red Belt has gone on, it feels like Micah's time. You heard that crowd in Corican for that one-night tournament to crown the challenger to Suzu. They were so hot for Micah. And it just feels like this goddess of stardom tag league win with Megan Bain, the way that she's carried herself since Himika's retirement, she feels like a superstar, and it feels like her time. And also there's the poetic loveliness of the third Donna Del Mondo faction member in three years to be holding the red belt at the end of uh, Dream Queendom, but that's that's by the by. I just feel like it feels more like Micah's time. You have got so much time to really build Suzu Suzuki as the future of pro wrestling. Because she is. She is the future of pro wrestling. That's that's not even up for debate. She's that good at 20. But it does mean you've got time. Whereas Micah, it feels like the time is now. I, I worry that if you don't crown her at Dream Queendom... Is she going to be this hot again? That's the risk you run. I feel like Suzu is always going to be at that level. Micah, is she going to be this molten hot? Is she going to have this universal sort of backing from everyone again if you don't throw it, if you don't give her the belt here? Now, I could be proven completely wrong and probably will be, but I feel like the answer to that is no. This is. This is the epitomization of striking while the iron is hot. Give the belt to Micah and let her have a run with it. Because in my opinion, no one has, in my mind, cemented themselves as more of a main eventer than Micah in the last six, seven months. To go from basically fourth in Donna Del Mondo to being a bona fide star in seven months. In my opinion, it's got to be Micah. Rob, excellent points, my friend. Okay. Excellent point. I wasn't sure if you were done. I didn't want to interrupt you because you were on a roll as always. I didn't, I didn't want to be rude and interrupt you, sir. So excellent points. This, from what we understand, was always, especially after the Saya injury, because um, it was supposed to be, from what we understand, it was supposed to be Saya and Tam yes. in the main event of this show. Saya gets injured, plans change. From what we understand, it's supposed to be Suzu defeating Tam at Gold Rush. So that they had the plan to go to Suzu all along. However, your best wrestlers that get over to a certain degree come organically. Stone Cold Steve Austin was never supposed to happen. CM Punk was never supposed to happen. Brian Danielson, then Daniel Bryan. That stuff was never supposed to happen. They got over. It's one thing to have the machine push you, right? You're always going to get that little push. But when you get over with the crowd organically, that's where the magic happens the best. Dude, look at Kofi Kingston. So, look at Kofi Mania from WrestleMania I was, 35. I I was there for that. I was there for that. I was obviously with the was the best match of that show and it was the biggest pop of that entire show. Um yeah, absolutely. When you have something organically like that, this 
again, you you go into that Corkin show, and literally every time Mike and she's building, building, building up, making it not only the Corkin show. Let's back up a little bit. Her five star was amazing, mm-hmm. even to the point where she kicked out of the uh, locomotion German suplexes from Suzu Suzuki. And as Suzu's going to the top rope for the Sky Twister press that she's never done before, that was perfect. The crowd chanting Micah, 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 and you're like, oh, there's something here. Like there's always been something there. Mm-hmm. She was always the bridesmaid, never a bride. Always somebody that you can plug into a pay per view main event. She's not going to win the belt. It's going to draw money. You're going to have a great match. We've seen it with Shuri. We've seen it with Utami. Now you're like, wait a minute. Now she's getting out of that Julia shadow. She's getting out of that Sherry shadow. She doesn't have Himika anymore. So then it's like, and then it's no disrespect to, you know, obviously, I'm just saying Julia and Sherry Castle, huge shadow because they're phenomenal, right? I mean, obviously the winners of the main event of the last two Dream Queendoms and must-see, you know, uh, matches, matches of the year candidates. Again, she's getting over organically. So it's again, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. To me, there's no real loser in this match. Whoever comes out of it, I get, and I'm all for. My only thing is on our Discord, on Twitter, a lot of our listeners of this podcast are huge into Micah. Mm. And I'm just afraid if Micah loses, there's going to be some backlash where you're going to see. I'm never watching Stardom again. They're going to throw that, you know, kind of, they're going to be upset, right? But at the same time, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? what? Wrestling fans upset? Yes. No. Um, Here's something else, though. You said that Micah's red hot. Can you get her that red hot again? If she eats the L here, I think you build up, you, you have a really good chance and an easy chance to build up her sympathy here with an L, right? And honestly, that's my official prediction. I'll get to that in a moment. If Micah does win here, regardless what they need to do, Himika needs to be in the audience here because you have a chance of literally getting Matt Turner crying once again at <laughs> six in the morning, whenever this happens is if you see him, we see Micah getting the win. Right. And she's, I'm assuming she's probably a Mijinoku driver who maybe she'll do this guy twister press. I don't know. She gets the win. And obviously these two, it's going to be a great match. If it, it's going to, it's going to be better than their five-star grand prix match. The pressure's on them. They're going to deliver, mm. but you see that she's just exhausted. And then all of a sudden, the referee raises her hand. She gets the trophy. She gets the belt, right? Stardom does a great job with those camera shots. And all of a sudden, you see Micah get up. And then who's on the apron? Standing, crying, Himika. That will be one of the greatest moments in wrestling in 2023. One of the greatest moments in the history of stardom. As you saw, Himika wanted to retire. We've seen her. She's, we've seen her on Twitter do stuff with uh, Micah. She was at the show like two weeks ago uh, in the audience. That is a great moment. And what a great way to end. What has kind of been an up and down year for stardom is you have Mike and Himika embracing as Micah as the red belt champion. That's phenomenal. Now the flip coin, Suzu Suzuki, she's the chosen one. She's great. She's over too. Don't get me wrong. She's gotten organically over, not to the extent of Micah. But here's something you have to understand, Rob. We talked about it being a business two minutes ago with, you know, with the with the Polaroids of um, Amina Shirakawa. Who's going to be drawing more money? You got to think the winner of this match more than likely is going to main event all-star grand queendom where they're going to try to draw 4,500 to 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. Can you do it with Micah? Is Micah, once she gets the belt, is she very much like a dusty Rhodes or a stone cold Steve Austin that there's more money in the chase. And then once they got the belt, yeah, they were great champions. They drew pretty well, but then it kind of cooled down. And I'm not saying she is. I'm not saying she isn't. We don't know. Is the money in the chase where it's like, what's the big matchup? They probably have, they have to have it in their head. What's the, they're going to load that card up. We know it's not going to be a one-match show. It's going to be very much like this year's Dream Queen, where every match is must-see, but that final match is going to be what draws the crowd. 
to me, that final match is going to have Suzu Suzuki in it because you've already set something up with Tam. You have the Julia thing there, which will take two seconds to reheat, and they've already teased her and Saya Kamatani quite a bit. So you already have three ready-made matches, whether they do it at one of the Cinderella shows, whether they do it at uh, All-Star Grand Queendom, or whether they pull the trigger on one of these matches come the anniversary show at uh, Supreme Fight. I think the biggest match that they can do with the roster they have to try to draw 5,000 people is Suzu Suzuki and Julia. And that is the main reason why I'm going to say Suzu Suzuki walks out as champion. Can I be wrong? Absolutely. How sure am I that Suzu walks out of this? On a scale of, if I'm going to do it 100%, 51%. I would not be shocked at all if Micah wins this match. I'm saying there is 0% chance this goes to the time limit draw, as we joked about before. Um, what you said and what I just said about Micah winning makes all the sense in the world. You have somebody so organically over but at the same point, if she wins the belt, and we know she'll have great matches, can she stay that hot going into Yokohama? I don't know. I think they just see Suzu as a bigger star. And with Suzu either versus Julia or Sayakamatani as the main event come the end of April, I think that's the way they're going to go. Regardless, again, this match is going to be great. I think it's, it's going to be the best match of the entire week of great wrestling. These two are going to put an absolute barn burner on. And the fact that I don't know and I'm so unsure who's going to win makes it even that much better. Um, then again, we knew Julia was winning last year, and it was one of the greatest matches in Stardom history because that's just how great some of these wrestlers are. So regardless, partner, and I'm glad that you went the other way because now, especially not only went the other way and picked Micah, but put Micah up on such a big pedestal and you made so many great points, the reason why she should win. And then I, then I added in, have her win, have her win, and have Himika come in at the very end. That will make it even even bigger. But I'm gonna say Suzu, and I'm not sure at all. But I don't care. My again, my main thing is I just don't want the Micah fans to just completely blow up, saying they missed the boat, and I'm never watching Stardom again and overreacting. Because Rob, believe it or not, wrestling fans they overreact a little bit. Yeah, I think I think that's fair <laughs> to say. Only only sometimes, and definitely not on social media. I think all <laughs> wrestling fans are nothing but rational on uh, on social media as is every person every person is a true portrayal of themselves as we know um i think it's important to know that whoever wins this match it does not matter because they are going to be an awesome champion whether it is Suzu, whether it's micah and it's the same same with the wonder of storm championship you know whoever wins it doesn't matter because either woman is going to be a fantastic champion I personally think that you could quite easily main event that Yokohama show in April with um, Micah versus Suri. I think that would be oh, an yeah. incredible one. You've Don't forget you had the feud between Sayakamitani and Mirai. Uh, sorry, Sayakamitani and Mirai. Sayakamitani and Micah, where you know they were generational rivals, if you want. you know, And then, obviously, Sayakamitani beat Micah for the Cinderella tournament. So you can have that sort of rekindled. So Sayakamitani versus Micah could be your match at Yokohama Buntai. Again, whoever wins, whether it is Suzu, whether it is Micah, I don't think it matters. Because either way, they are going to have fantastic matches as champion. It doesn't matter. We're, and more importantly, we're going to have a red belt champion. Surely that is better than the purgatory we've been in since Tam's injury on the 9th of October. And that's worth knowing. We haven't had a red belt title defense since the 9th of October. It is wow. now the 27th of December. 
So uh, the fact that we have got some clarity, we're going to have some fantastic wide red belt defenses, and we're going to head into that new year with a direction, doesn't matter who wins for me. I personally think it'd be Micah. Will it be disappointed if it's Suzu Suzuki? Hell no. Suzu Suzuki's fantastic. Again, at 20 years old. Anyway, that's by the by. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the end of our preview. Matt, do you quickly want to go through EO and Kyrie Watch, and then we'll go through what we have to go through before we leave these people in peace? Absolutely, my friend. EO and Kyrie Watch. We had one match that was uh, it was a holiday havoc match, which is basically a no rules eight person tag match that saw the babyface team of Shasi Blackheart, Bianca Belair, Mia Yim, and Zelina Vega take on, of course, Io Shirai, Kyrie, Bailey, and Asuka. You had all sorts of gifts and everything around the ring. Again, it was very much a no rules all out brawl. We had a wild brawl to start, and then Io, Sh- Io Shirai and Bianca Belair they they kind of went high speed in the beginning a lot of misdirection a lot of really cool stuff between eo and bianca and bianca for someone who's never worked anywhere outside of wwe she's just absolutely fantastic and i'm just a huge huge fan of uh bianca belair shotzi blackheart she comes in with a few roll-up pins on bailey uh then we see uh shotzi bring a chair into the ring and she challenge uh she challenge challenge uh challenges she uh symbolizes sabu and hits the air sabu onto bailey i thought that was really cool shati has a big suicide dive uh to bailey i'm just gonna go through the highlights of the match because it was pure carnage Kyrie and asuka come out with not only kendo sticks but kendo sticks dressed up as candy canes which i thought was very <laughs> symbolic to this season i thought that was good uh to zelina and mia yim or michin whatever you want to call her Bianca superplexes Bailey onto a whole bunch of presents, which I thought was like cool because we've seen suplexes into thumbtacks and the Legos, which absolutely sucks. But this is WWE, so we're gonna suplex somebody into empty cardboard, which I thought was really cool. Zelina Vega hits a DDT to EO on the floor. EO does her picture perfect springboard dropkick to uh, Mia Yim, Mich- again, Michin, for a two count. Uh, Bianca and uh, Shotzi Blackheart then take one of the presents. They put it over EO's head and they hit the doomsday dropkick onto EO, which I thought was cool. Uh, Kyrie decides she has not been violent enough in this match until she unwraps one of the presents and it's a trash can. And she hits the cutlass with the trash can to Shotzi that basically takes her out of the match and maybe uh, out of wrestling for about a month, because boy, howdy. <laughs> Kyrie didn't do much in this match, and what she got in, it was pretty brutal. Uh, Zelina with a chair shot to Kyrie. Asuka miss, misses Zelina. And then we have the Kabuki Warriors go to these giant presents that are on the side of the ring. They almost look like caskets, so they open them up. And then uh, Isla Dawn and Elba Fire come out of the cat out of these uh, ca- casket presents. Obviously, Elba Fire was the former Kaylee Ray. They take out the Kabuki Warriors. My theory is the fact that uh, Kyrie and Io beat up uh, one Kaylee Ray, Alba Fire, so much back in 2016, 2017, that they're playing the long game here seven years later. So she's coming for her revenge. So uh, they take out uh, the Kabuki Warriors, which basically then turns into um, a whole bunch of uh, waterfall finishes. You see Bianca hitting the uh, KOD onto Bailey. That allows Io to hit the picture perfect moonsault onto Bianca Belair. And then Mia Yim, Machin, hits the eat the feet onto Io. Io then just happens to be placed on the table after that move. And then Mia Yim hits a top rope senton, pinning Io Shirai for the three count, thus setting up a Mia Yim versus Io championship match coming up on SmackDown in two weeks because next week's show is the New Year's show. So they're just doing uh, basically highlights. So 
Folks, I understand that we're building up to an Io Shirai championship match with Mia Yim, which will be fantastic. But if you're playing at home and you're counting score that we've seen uh, troll at full effect and they're 0-2. So for a faction that draws, <laughs> yes, for a faction that draws huge, huge numbers and they're not going up against other factions. They're going up against like the makeshift babyface team that is mad at them this week. So it's like, can you imagine like this whole bloodline thing if once it got started that they just ate like two losses back to back? It wouldn't work. But for some reason, they're like, yeah, these guys are uh, EO and company. They're doing two and a quarter million views per segment. We're going to have them lose two segments back to back. I just I don't understand. I don't know where they're going. I don't like the fact that they're losing all these matches. However, on the positive of bright side, my friend, we get an EO Shirai versus me and championship match in two weeks. So I will take it. Yeah, absolutely. Who's, you know, we might as well just take it. It's fine. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, that about brings us to the end of this episode. Do not forget the 29th of December, Friday, 8.15 British Standard Time, 3.15 if you're on the East Coast, 2.15 if you're Central Time, 12.15 if you are Pacific Time. Join us live on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook for our review of Stardom Dream Queendom 2023. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your opinions on the crowning of a new Red Belt champion. Um, We'll be back on the 29th. We'll then be back the week after. The Stardom Cast Awards 2023 will be live from the 29th of December all the way through to Wrestle Kingdom 4th of January. Get your votes in. How to vote and all of those good things will be up on Twitter on the 29th of December. Um, Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll be back on Friday. Um, uh, Don't forget to join us on social media at the Stardom Cast, wherever you get your social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Subscriptions really do help us out. If you'd like to leave a rating, that would be grand. Um, A five-star review and a comment would work wonders for us, whether that is on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or leaving a comment on youtube thank you to everyone over at patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast your support is absolutely phenomenal um keep an eye out for those reconfigured tiers and things like that we'll get that sorted asap um you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin and yes ladies and gentlemen more importantly thank you for sticking with us over the course of this must be over two and a half hours it is over two and a half hours thank you so much um matt turner sam's off good sir absolutely uh just before i sign us off gotta say bye poi gotta get that <laughs> in and don't forget to show love to the human cadillac dorian deville absolutely uh, i know i know on friday we're doing our live stream but for all intents and purposes this is pretty much our last weekly show of the year and uh, boy howdy partner what a year i mean on but you would have told me some of the things that we did this year between having our own beer and then we're gonna be having our uh, we're gonna have Another Stardom Cast version of the, the Stardom Cast beer coming in right around WrestleMania season. The fact that we were on Talk is Jericho, the people we were able to interview, including my former boss, uh, Kerry Silken, which was a phenomenal interview. The fact that we're something like over 200,000 downloads, you know, not to the year, but like complete is just insane. All the five star reviews, I think we're like 4,000 followers on Facebook and over 3,000 YouTube subscribers. I mean, just what an insane year. 
And really, uh, thank you. I, I've been able to live out so many of my dreams and, and wishes and whatnot. And that's all because of your fantastic support, all of you, everybody, whether you listen to any episode, one episode, every episode, you shared a podcast, you hit the subscribe button on any one of our, uh, you know, YouTube channels are the one YouTube channel, you know, we massively appreciate it. Um, any questions, comments, anything I can do for you folks, um, you know, uh, hit me up, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Be safe out there for New Year's folks. I will be sitting at home watching the Twilight Zone marathon as I'm a massive Twilight Zone fan. And if you are as well, send me a message. Let me know what some of your favorite episodes are. Uh, again, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. If you want to shoot me an email, the start cast 22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email uh, once again folks like i said we cannot do this without you the support and the growth of the show is just absolutely insane we greatly appreciate it because like i always say it's just not my podcast it's our podcast because we're all together and everybody's different everybody's special Highland. We're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.